that would have been perfect for Ryan Damon or Half Pint to be there and you know <laughs> use the heat. That's not a boulder. That's Half Pint <laughs> <laughs> throwing him out the window like uh, Chief Wiggum's kid. <laughs> Fucking Ralph Wiggum going through the window. <laughs> 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 oh, half pint. I'm in danger. But <laughs> <laughs> well, once back in November, he had a dalliance with a lady from Sri Lanka. <laughs> it's this pin right here. I got this pin oh, for it when I did it. This pin's for dalliancing. <laughs> oh, I love those are my favorite ones. Yeah, they said eight by tens of Chris's head. That's right. Yeah, That's I like the little head. Robin Hood hat that he wears. That's kind of funny, dude. He's like a little. He looks like he should be popping out of a fucking cuckoo clock. <laughs> <laughs> What? Wait a minute! Uh, wait a minute! Me some gimmicks or something. <laughs> Did he used to be on the the mountain climber game? Price is right. I think that guy was too good. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Other Ship Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything, especially this week. I am one of your wonderful hosts, Chris Spiker, and with me tonight is our wonderful producer, Michael T.S. Herrick. Yo, yo, yo. And a man who's an officer and a gentleman and everyone's favorite Iron Eagle, Drew Gossett Jr. Hi, everybody. And with us along for the ride later on, he's just not here with us time of recording, is Big Bill. So shout out to our boy, Big Bill, our fourth co-host. Check out our social media media pages for any and all show updates going on on our facebook we got to work out the instagram and twitter going on i do believe but the facebook's where all the action at and if you're listening to this and you're not part of the group i don't know how you got here but welcome so we have a really packed show for you this week we have the second half of our guardians of the galaxy special which in case you missed it last week or you didn't read the show review which you didn't shame on you that says spoiler alert we're going to spoil the the entire movie so if you haven't seen it a why not and b go spend two and a half hours go see it and come back to the first hour or so of the show afterwards we have I don't know why Mike decided putting these three together was a good idea, but this is why he's the producer, not me. We have the underrated wrestling segment with Christopher Zaha. We have random musings with Aaron Grafton Esquire, and then the first unsanctioned interview in other ship history with Mr. Neely J. So once again, thank you for tuning in and we're going to get to it. Somebody say something about spoilers. Spoiler, motherfucker. Somebody say something about spoilers. Spoiler, motherfucker. All right, so consider this your morning, and we'll wait for you. We'll be here. We're going to start talking. So go see it. Get your popcorn. Get your soda. You know, they have really cool commemorative popcorn tins and cups. Get some of those, too. Take your friends. Take your mom. Take your mistress if you got one of those. Go see this movie. Your secret millionaire. Yeah, maybe not the mistress, especially if you're with your family. That, that should get awkward. Hey, K-Fay. K-Fay, man. K-Fay. Just like that, man. <laughs> the movie's too good for the popcorn trick. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. The movie, is, the movie is way too good for the popcorn trick. Although I'm pretty sure we got one of those big souvenir buckets. I'm pretty sure by Guardians 3 it was done by 40 minutes into it. Anyways, so consider this now spoiler territory as we head into our part. What do we say about spoilers, Rodney? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so now everyone's been properly warned. Everyone's been properly warned. Thanks to our main man, Ronnie Swift, for um, helping us out with that. All right. So, this third movie, it's been six years, and I think this one was the most emotional roller coaster of all three of them. Oh, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. I don't know if it's because my life's changed in the last six years since the last one came out, or, you know, I've changed how much, but this one hit so many levels of emotion. Mm. It was like, I thought it was incredible, honestly. It's probably the my favorite Marvel movie, probably since Infinity War, to be honest with you. I would agree with that. I mean, Spider-Man, maybe notwithstanding, I think it's the best one. Well, nevertheless, that one's for you, Mikey. For it being a final chapter of something, that's how you do it with everything. Mm. I will say this, the animal, I don't want to say mutilation, but I guess it's essentially what it is. That was not cool. No. But got the point across and... How do you pronounce the guy's name? I always mess it up. Like, I, the guy he's so good, too. He was so good. What an evil mother. Like he, I, he's probably my most hated villain. Like He does such a good job of being a piece of I, shit. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. I was like, if that guy that does King really keeps getting in trouble, maybe just stick that guy in there because he's just... Exactly. Yeah. He's so good. Exactly. Well, that's exactly what I said. I said, you know, Jonathan Majors keeps getting in trouble. We just substitute this guy. Nobody can Right. Care. He's great. He was just screaming and ranting, but like making it scary by also looking like a bitch. It was amazing. I don't even know where to start with this. Does somebody else want to kind of steer this because I'm still trying to put all my thoughts. Now that we're to this point, I'm trying to put my thoughts together about it. Brockett's origin story was pretty cool to see that in the movie. It was something. and That was an amazing story. Yeah. yeah. My wife's always like, you're crying. You're tearing up, aren't you? And with this one, I was like, Yep, can't even bullshit. Yep. It was bone. That was fucking something, man. Like, we started doing animals like that. Oh, they're so cute, but yet so disturbing, you know? Sky! When Violet mm. got shot, I, I died a little bit on the inside. Yeah, it was that was that was tough. I love the fact that we got to see Ryan, and I, I know that a lot of that was people. But part of me feels like, of course, it should have disturbed you because it was disturbing. I feel like we we kind of should have stayed in a little more. To me, it would have not, not not that you didn't root, you know, for him at the end. But of course, you did. Uh, but I think it would have added to it. I can see that gun definitely pushed the envelope as far as the story goes. But in doing so, in completing his story, you have now given us a incredibly well-rounded character, and everything about him now makes sense. Yeah, I've seen arguments all night and they're like he might be the best character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe I can buy that that story he got was so well rounded and you get to see so much of how his personality developed and why he was the kind of threatless guy in the first movie and you saw Rocket grow throughout the entire franchise more than anybody I I will say this you see Nebula grow a little bit in this film too like you see her be more human in this film everybody had their chance to shine and I love that as I was telling Michael earlier the scene when all of his friends die and Rocket is standing and just screams, I felt that. Mm. Like, that to me was one of the most visceral things in any Marvel movie. Like, it shook me. There's also a scene where he goes and he tears the dude off. I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, that's brutal. That is just but, straight up, like, brutality right there. But oh, you understood his rage when he did that, you know? it's like, Exactly. That exactly. was like, okay, we see Rocket hulking out here. <laughs> like, every, he made everything make sense. And to bring everything full circle with all the characters like he did. Every single, even Craggle, you know, I mean, you had, you know, it, it was such an achievement in my mind. Like I said, I'm having a hard time really putting it together now because I was so, like, jittery after seeing it. Even Star-Lord, you know, I mean, I felt Chris Pratt always did a good job, and in this one, he had the emotional roller coaster to work with of, hey, I've lost everybody. I'm not losing my best friend, and here I am with a woman who's the woman I love, but not, which I must say, Zoe Saldana as badass Kamara was so fucking hot. Ha, 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 ha. 
right? Ravager. I think besides Rocket, you mentioned Craglin and his growth and change from the first movie to the third movie was pretty impressive too. The way he finally got to be the hero yeah. was, I think, really well done and they, it was set up well early on. In the- Absolutely. Um, I think Batista, I think he does protest too much. He's like, oh, I'm so done playing Drax. I can't do it anymore. Blah, blah, blah. I can't show my body when I push in 50 and, and this and that. I can't do it anymore. But then, you know, and it's been a pleasure playing him. It makes like finality announcements. So I was like, he's not going to die. You know, I mean, he's going to do it again someday. And I see they got the suit the whole movie too. So he's going to have to worry about the body thing anymore except for just you know as long as he's a little big enough to pull it off under the suit he'll be fine he'll be but i think it was a really smart way to do it to end the team that we know without killing anybody really anything yeah. super life-changing or whatever like comics that's what comics does they tell a complete story but the status quo kind of keeps going and this one it's not so much the status quo because the team is split you got solo star lord doing kung fu gimmick or whatever but <laughs> i think it was a really neat ending to it without having to kill somebody off i think they pulled that off super well Although, who was not sweating bullets that they weren't going to do it during the last 30 minutes? Oh, my God. Even during the whole movie, like when they shot Batista with the um, Drax with the big yeah. gun there. I mean, it seemed pretty final for a minute. You know, I was like, they're going like, to kill him that soon? You know? Because I really didn't yeah, think exactly. they were. You know, holy crap. Any of them could have bit the dust at any point. You would not have mm. put it past James Gunn to do it. Right. And I'm glad he didn't, to be honest. Exactly. Kind of I know I was getting a little shaky there towards the end because I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, we're heading towards the big climax of the movie. And, you know, everybody everybody's still here and then at the end when Star Wars floating in space I'm like holy shit they're actually going to do it and did anyone notice the the touching of the whatever the painting is that they did with Adam Warlock in Star Wars yes, yes yes yeah yeah that Michelangelo painting yes yes thank you I was, I was trying to think of the name of the thank yeah. you I was trying to think of the proper name and it escaped me there for a second but yeah. I died I busted out laughing at that what, what did you guys yeah. think of the movie's treatment of Adam Warlock I think we're setting up for something bigger with him down the line yeah it's, it's, it's so interesting well the one thing they did with him is the counter earth there like that's a big deal with adam warlock in the comics and he's like the whole infinity saga in the comics adam warlock is like really integral to that he's, yes he's like kind of a douchebag in the movie at least for like 90 percent of it but i kind of knew i was like that's weird adam warlock's a good guy but then like there's a little couple scenes and there was like i didn't like doing that and it's like oh they're gonna turn him, you know they're gonna turn him good but it's um it was a really interesting way to handle it where again gun does his own spin on something but you still get a little flavor from the comic because he's super boring in the comic you know what i mean you know he's He's like an exposition character, like Thanos has to impress Lady Death because blah 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 on the certain moon cycle of this and that universe, and it's like, all right, Adam Warlock, thanks a lot for your story. You know what I mean? But in this movie, <laughs> thank you for your service. But he's 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 great in the movie. Yeah, the fact that he essentially said, hey, you put him to it too soon out of this, he's still a child. It's like, okay, that's why he's acting the way he is. That makes right. sense. I thought he had some great moments. I didn't mind the characterization because I saw what they were doing with him, and I think we'll see more of him down the line here. Mm. Yep. I mean, as confirmed by the post-credits because you have a new Guardians team which the sh- fact that they shouted out Adrian Blue in the mid-credits that was awesome not as good as Springsteen during the very end credits but I was I was sitting there and I was like oh Spiker's gonna love this he's gonna love well, it so I was like stay <laughs> for the credits well, no matter what you well see and the thing about Badlands is that Badlands tells you the story of Guardians 3 and I wonder if James Gunn did that specifically if like if you wrote it with song in mind or if you listen to the song it's like holy crap I just wrote this movie wow. it's essentially that if you listen to the song and you think about the movie it's the exact same thing. Wow, that's wow. Okay, I'll drop one of my favorite versions in there. If you listen to the lyrics and you think about the movie, I'm, it's like James Gunn just wrote this in movie format. Yeah, so, 
Wow. You know, and so, I mean, it was just like everything about it, like everything hit and Cosmo is a good dog. Um, oh, Cosmo's the best. <laughs> Cosmo, good dog, right? <laughs> good dog. Good, good dog. No, Cosmo's a good dog. <laughs> <laughs> the humor, despite it, this one was much heavier than the first two, but the humor still hit. Oh, yeah. And the Yandu cameo. Oh, I cheered. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Christina went and had dinner after. I said, Yandu was right. I put what Yandu said about use, don't use your brain, use your heart. I said, that's like parenting. You don't really use your brain as much. You just use your heart. He kind of looked at me funny. I said, wow. I said, there's another insight I never thought coming. <laughs> yeah. It shows how Yandu overall was like the father to a lot of the, the Ravager, not just yeah. Will. Because yeah. you had kind of sibling rivalry in the first movie with mm. Craglet and Quill. It wasn't as much of a thing in the second movie. It was still there to a little bit of an extent. But by the end of the second movie, you know, now Craglin's calling Star-Lord Cap. Yep. And then here, it's their third movie. They're totally same page together. And that was great. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, it just hit on every cylinder. You you could tell the cast enjoyed doing it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, it showed through in every performance. I mean, Zoe Saldana probably had the time of her life being as it was so different. Yeah, screw you screw you screw all of you are you are you just making up what he says I agree which I mean, it's must... kind of like Gamora and Nebula switched exactly. roles yeah. from the second film to the third film which yeah. is in juxtaposition there yeah and that, that it's like one of my favorite lines it's like Nebula saying um, you know well so is he for the family line it's like Quill's family too you know yep right. you know, I admit I also teared up at the scene when Rocket stand there and he sees Teeth and Floor in the background and Lila's like but it's not your time yet I'll be oh, oh, that was such a great yep. scene right in the feels then, then he comes back to him Quill and Groot are hugging I'm like Aah! so I mean I've somehow managed to find a way to cry during all three Guardians movies gun you <laughs> son of a bitch you gotta be this I mean one. I cried during the first one when Groot died I cried in the second one when Yon you died and now I cried in the third one we thought Rocky was going to die James Gunn you son of a bitch I can't believe I admitted this on air hopefully this pops us back up to like 40 or 30 in the UK you know I had prepared Ashlyn I told her I'm like you might want to bring one of those little pocket sized packages of Kleenexes I said I've got a feeling that there's going to be two or three deaths and you may really need some Kleenexes to get you through this and she's like I think I'll be okay huh. and so we get done watching the movie and I said well I'm still just shocked that everyone survived Till the end and I said I guess you didn't need Kleenexes after all huh she said well I stuck a couple in my pocket and I needed them a couple of different times like when I thought Rocket was going to die but it wasn't I mean, quite what I thought it was. yeah I mean again he's a talking raccoon with a giant gun who started right. out as a minor league character and here we are everybody is hinging on his survival in this film yeah. and he's become a household name I mean everybody knows who Rocket Raccoon is now Christ he's on which box of cereal is it it's like he was on like Reese's Puffs or something like that. I mean, come on, dude's everywhere now, and I friggin' love it. And here I am sitting there going, yeah. I'm cool. I got this tattoo like eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I have a Bizarro tattoo. Nice. And that's one uh, villain I would love to see in a Superman movie. Yeah. No, they do I, it right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That nuclear, nuclear man bullshit. <laughs> what the fuck was that about? Yeah, let's give him Lex Luthor's voice. Uh, which, 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 which Luthor? Do you give him Gene Hackman's voice? Yeah, that was Hackman's yeah. voice doing nuclear yeah. man's voice in Superman 4. <laughs> because fuck you, Superman 4. Yeah. Uh, Thank yes. you, Candle Films, for making a piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least three was saved by the fact that Richard Pryor and that scene where the chick turns into a robot, which haunted me forever as a kid. Oh, my brother hated that as a kid. And the 
said he watched it back later. He goes, I don't know why I was scared of this as a kid. I like uh, evil drunk Superman, so I, I like think three's, <laughs> three's fine. You know, drunk yeah. Superman's fine. That fight scene in the junkyard is amazing yeah. how they did that. Fun. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. But I think this movie is the shot in the arm that we needed from Marvel because, mm. and I, I think probably helped it didn't have any multiverse hype bullshit like all the other ones because we were expecting all the other ones to connect a little better with all the multiverse stuff and it's kind of like, okay, all right, there's that. And then the King, you know, King is fine, but kind of the movie was kind of underwhelming. It's like, all right, well, that's fine. But, but I mean, you needed that and it didn't need to be stretched out. It needed to be about this group of characters. Yeah, it's nice to take a break. Yeah, no, this, that's what I mean. This is great. And you can tell it was the movie he was going to make a couple years ago, going back to what you said before they fired him for stupid reasons. And obviously he didn't have to worry so much about the constraints of much. And he got to make the story I think he wanted to tell and wrap it yeah. up nicely without having to worry about the multiverse nonsense that all the other stuff going all over the place. Although I got to say the trailer for the Marvels looks fun. It, it kind of wrote me to, to watch. It, it. does. We're it it now. <laughs> no, we're not a team. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Hi. <laughs> yeah, and this show was cute. I mean, Kamala Khan's adorable. I know she's yeah. actually here. Oh, just hear get, so. get into a film. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and that show was really adorable. It was. Monica Rambo is fun. She's fine. My, I know that Brie Larson's with this, a controversial character, and some people hate on her. But she keeps wearing that white shirt like she did the trick. She keeps pointing at me. If you know what I'm saying, quit pointing at me, Brie. I see what you're doing. Uh, uh, you you, you, you watched Skull Island way too much, didn't you, William? I, it's my favorite the new kaiju movies. As much as I'm a Godzilla guy, that Kong Island movie is fantastic. It is. It's, it's really good. Yeah. I actually must say this about Captain Marvel. When Infinity War came out, and you had to tease at the end with Captain Marvel showing up. We all knew what it was. Yeah. So then Captain Marvel movie came out and made her like the female Superman. I'm like, oh, fuck me. She's going to be Thanos single-handedly. Props to the Russo brothers for not doing that. Yeah, right. For having, her, for having her fight Thanos at the end, but then she got beat up like everybody else. Thank they God. They still God. made her look like a badass, though. You know what I mean? Like, good job. I was going to be so mad. I was going to be so yeah. mad if that's what happened. Well, she showed I mean, up nothing some ass. So if you're a fan of Captain Marvel, that, you know, that particular brand of Captain Marvel, yeah. she, you, you wouldn't be mad because she kicks some ass but she still doesn't quite do it so that's okay because Thanos has got some more things my favorite part was how you really realized the Scarlet Witch was going to be something because she fucking almost yes. single-handedly killed Thanos <laughs> when she was pissed you well and the Russo said uh, basically that she would have killed Thanos yeah if he didn't read yeah. had he not had the ship fire down on there absolutely he's like just he's, do he's, it he's, yeah he's totally panicking because he's like holy shit he said like yeah. his character from Goonies when he's like just do it I was like, oh, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Do it, do it now. Get down. Do it. Do it now. What are you waiting for? Do you, it you now. Totally dumb, you totally dub Arnold from Predator in over Thanos' speech. You get the same thing. <laughs> now, with, with, since we're talking, get on the subject of Captain Marvel, including the X-Men into the MCU, I'm wondering how they're going to handle Rogue and Captain Marvel's powers. Mm. Oh, the X-Men in this universe. Let's worry about that for another day because yes. that's a whole can of worms later on. Which team do we want? Again, that's going to be a whole nother conversation because the X-Men were my first big comic love, so I have very deep feelings about everything. Yeah. Plus, I think we have to get our boy Dags on for that because I know Dags is a big X-Men. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Dags. Wolverine. He's an X-Men guy. Yeah. Shout out to Dags whenever he comes back because he will be back. Shout out to Dag- Dagsy Tudo. <laughs> oh, shoot. I got a present for you guys later if I finish. <laughs> 
So is Adrian Brody's casting official as Reed Richards? Because I don't know if I love that. Those are the guys that played Tyler Grant. Yes, yes, Tyler Grant with a real yeah. big nose. Like, I want to cast him. If I ever got to make a Pink Floyd movie, he'd be my Roger. Adam Driver. Yeah, yes. Adam Driver, yes. right. Yeah, Adam, Adam Brody. Adam Brody. Oh, shit, that's terrible. I'm getting my big nose Adams confused. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Adam Driver. I was going to say, Bill, I want some of whatever you're smoking tonight, dude. Holy hell. <laughs> Granddaddy Purple. That was me earlier. Yeah, it was. Holy hell, dude. Um, it's going to be hard to top what these films have done and the legacy James Gunn has left. I think it's going to be hard pressed to beat. I don't think you're going to find three movies that are as cohesive together, right. just like heartfelt, because he tapped into the human emotions and gave each of them like a role and made them into characters that we all identify with in some way, shape, or form. If you don't identify with one of those characters, these movies you might want to get something checked out. Yeah. You know, are you rocking? Do you have this? sorted past and hate everything for reasons are you startling you're trying to run from everything for reasons you know i mean everybody was beat up for some reason but they all came together and i think somebody can identify with that on a deep level yeah do you have the power of invisibility are you drax <laughs> can you make monkey noises that do not sound like monkeys <laughs> That was just speak that language. Well, you didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that was great. That actually got a big cheer in the theater we were in whenever he's like, he's like, you didn't ask. Yeah, he stole the movie, didn't he? I mean, he was a little bit, you know, as far as comic relief. The scene, yeah, I know it was in the one trailer where he smacks the little girl in the face basketball. Oh my he wanted to have in a movie, oh. I couldn't stop laughing. The way they do it. Sit the up on the couch. Trap, <laughs> sit up. Trap, sit up. There's <laughs> more than one function for these things. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> then led to Peter Quill's rolling of the High Evolutionary, which was freaking hysterical too. They're like, "That's actually really good." <laughs> <laughs> Not a trap; it's a face-off. <laughs> that was one of the best uses of Groot in any of the movies. Mm. Yeah, the, the storage of Groot for small artillery. I'm like, that's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. Great. That scene, oh my god, I don't know how many times I leaned over and bumped Ash and I'm like, this is awesome. Oh, I'm like, it's a shootout. <laughs> so, and it was funny because, um, so, as you all know, and I've been called out on I cosplay Starlord, or at least I used to. And before this movie came out, I'm like, you know, I'm getting gray in the face and I realize they have stuff for that. But I'm just like, I've done this enough, you know, I'm good. The last time I put on the Volume 2 costume was for her pregnancy photos with Christine. She was pregnant more, and I was Star-Lord. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm good never doing this again. But you know, Saturday afternoon, I see the movie. I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm feeling pretty good about this. My phone starts blowing up from people who've also seen the movie. It's like, so you got one more in you, right? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> if you go to the Rhode Island Comic Con, you're dressing like that, aren't you? It's possible. Anything is possible at this point. Although I will say this, the in the previews, I was not sold on the team costumes. I thought they looked kind of hokey. But when you actually see them in the movie, they're cool shit. Yeah, right. But again, that was lifted from the comic books because they had com they had costumes like that back in the way back in one of the books too. So props the gun for the reference there. He gets it, man. Like you know, going back to that old argument, Zack Snyder just doesn't get it. He's got a great visual eye. He can make some of those like that Batman Superman movie. Some of the panels on that look just like the Dark Knight Returns or you know a Superman comic with Kurt Swan. But he just doesn't understand the character. And I know everyone 
everyone has their own different headcanon how the characters are but they're all written yeah. you know they're written and they're out there James Gunn gets it and he might make things I know some people have an issue with how he can make things goofy but just look at Peacemaker like Kev was talking about that show was hilarious but also deep as hell yeah mm. so speaking of serious tone one of my problems and Shane Brownie's not here he'll hear it on the replay one of my problems with Tyke and Love and Thunder was the inconsistent tone yeah Gunn balanced it so well in this and people bitched about it people were like oh well, you know you're supposed to be just feeling some kind of way and then you laugh about it I'm like no that's what he does and he does but it so I, well exactly it felt natural because that's where we're used to from him because he does it so much better than the jarring you know tonal change of oh here's Gore and all of a sudden now we're making Thor is making a joke or yeah. hey you know hey Jane Foster's got cancer oh well here's a joke yeah exactly you know it's like it didn't work whereas right. Gunn in this film made it work like it felt it felt natural and I, I have to applaud him for that you know it right. felt like a very natural change in you know the shifting and everything like that and the two and a half hours flew by like it did not feel yeah. like a two and a half hour movie like like when the credits rolled I'm like that's it I, I kind of really want more of this yeah. but sometimes you just have to leave it with like wanting more even though it's like the last James Gunn Marvel film it's like it's still well done yeah he left on a high note mm. it's the first Marvel movie since Endgame that I said holy shit that was an experience yep mm. it was the first one that I didn't leave like again I wasn't necessarily disappointed as a strong word to use but I wasn't like underwhelmed this one I was like alright that you did it's that Marvel good feeling I felt like for the first 10-15 years of their existence you know what I mean I yeah. mean well and actually that's not entirely well, accurate I mean the last time I felt like like some kind of way about that was after No Way Home with seeing all the spikes yeah. together in the eight sense. Sp- Spider Man was was the other one. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. It's kind of a theme sort of seeing, seeing all three of them together on the big screen, especially the scene where they all go swinging together. I'm like, this is like, it, it made you feel that way. Did you guys see you both feel- versions of No Way Home or no? Not yet. No. I haven't watched the extended one yet. No, I want. Yeah, I saw both in the theaters and both are, they're still really good no matter what. Yeah. I just remember I had the choice between packing to go to, we were in North Carolina at the time, packing to go home to Pennsylvania for Christmas, loading the car, going to see Spider-Man. Well, I can tell you which one Christine was pissed at me about. But then when Spider-Man. we fuck yeah, I went to go see Spider-Man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but then when she saw, she goes, "Okay, I guess I understand why you did that. That was awesome." I eventually got the pass after she saw what I was talking about because she was so mad at me about not doing it. And I'm like, "But honey, you have to understand all the Spider-Man were together." And then she saw she goes, "Okay, that was actually really cool." Just <laughs> seeing Willem Dafoe. I mean, that made my daughter oh, fall in love with him. He's oh, so good. To see a Doc Ock back too, Andrew yeah. Molina as yeah. Doc Octopus. He was and, really good. And shout out to the Charlie Cox candy, which might have been my single favorite moment of the film. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, yeah. Me and my brother went to see it the first time, and we had this uh, guy keep sitting a couple seats over, and he goes, sees Charlie Cox and stand up and goes, oh, shit, loud, loud in the theater. <laughs> yeah, in my theater, people lost their minds, too, for that scene. They just lost it. When he, caught, when he catches the brick and stuff, it's just Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very good lawyer. I've only had the experience of seeing one of these movies with a fairly full theater for Endgame. Everything else, I wait a week or two, so we get a pretty theater just because you people don't have those those experiences necessarily but yeah I, I can understand that because I, I reacted that way there, there for a while I mean the Marvel movies were okay you're there every if it dropped on Friday first showing would be Thursday at that clock yeah, yeah and most there movies were drop on a Thursday nowadays at like first exactly. thing down here is 3 o'clock so exactly yeah. so I mean there for a while there I mean religious Ragnarok Infinity War Endgame we were there <laughs> Me I mean too. God bless my wife well, she was actually just 
just my, no, we were engaged to this. When Infinity War came out, she had to go to class. Mm. And she goes, okay, go see it. You're getting us tickets for the night afterwards. So I went Thursday and Friday to see Infinity War. Do you know how fucking hard <laughs> it was to keep my mouth shut for 24 hours? And I wasn't allowed to tell her a damn thing. Yeah. We need and to tell she, Christine there's a thing called duct tape. Oh, she knows plenty about that. <laughs> you know, and I mean, you know, we went to see um, Guardians 2 in costume. We got a lot of, we actually were on the news about that because we showed up in costume and stuff and they stopped and interviewed us. Next, we showed up to the premiere of Star Lord and Gamora and everybody was cool about us. So then we did the same thing for Endgame, except she wanted, she had short, she actually had short hair at this point because she was getting ready to go into the military. We took the entire day off together to go did this Marvel exhibit in Philly, which was fucking awesome. So she went as Star Lord. She got into the costume and everything like that. And I went, I crossplayed as 90s Captain Marvel. I had this shield hat, the leather jacket, the 90s nail shirt, and the jeans. Nice. Everybody recognized her. Nobody gave a shit about me. I don't know if it was Rogue One or the first of the new trilogies of Star Wars. I went to see it in the theater and three people were in uh, Star Wars pajamas as like R2-D2, uh, Chewbacca. I, and I just, that's what I think of whenever I think of them being event movies. I think of being there in line, having to get tickets opening day. And I think those days are over for the most part. Although trying to get tickets for, what was it? I think Wakanda Forever was sold out here for quite a few days after it dropped. But I think, unfortunately, the days of that up until maybe the next big crossover, which I guess will be Secret Wars, are unfortunately probably past us now. But I just have such fond memories of them being events and, you know, circling your whole life say, okay, here, everybody take off here. We're going to meet in theater at 5 o'clock, start drinking movies at 7. Right. So, you know, I mean, the Star Wars movies used to be like that I mean, hell for Rise of Skywalker. I'm like, eh, let's just go whenever. <laughs> you know, but now, now they're making The Mandalorian movie that'll be oh, the one that i'm like yeah that's apparently how they're concluding the story is that that Favre and Filoni are getting a movie to conclude the mandalorian saga so you're gonna have all these people sitting out in helmet outside in line the morning <laughs> before the movie going this is the way this is the way be in that movie it is it is it is four degrees outside this is the way <laughs> i'll catch that about 10 or 12 days after it comes out then i won't have any of that <laughs> <laughs> that is Michael's way. Yes, it is. It's the go to an go to an early show. Hopefully, there's nobody else in your theater if you're lucky. I think there were there might have been eight people in the theater when we saw it Tuesday. I, I don't think I don't think I've ever seen a Marvel movie. I don't think I've ever waited long enough to see a Marvel movie where there were not a few people in the, enough to be a few people in the theater. Honestly, I remember. I think we've only had one where it was just us. There's usually two or three, but yeah, we wait a week. Usually we wait two weeks, but I didn't want to run the chance of getting spoiled on this. Yeah. Some films I don't care as much about if I know something already, but I didn't want any spoilers on this. So we, we just waited, what, a week and a half? Yeah. People are like, oh, I don't care if you spoil it for me. Like, no, you're going to care if I spoil this for you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember this was years ago. We were the, me and my ex were the only people in the theater to see Hot Fuzz. Thank <laughs> God, because I was crying at certain points. <laughs> The, the, the scene where the old people come shooting out of the car and the next thing you know they're sitting with bloody faces because he does the shoot out with the old people I was like crying and I think we're the only people in the theater for Speed Racer when I wish Hot Rod was, was on the call for this I may have to tell him I was the only person in the theater for Justice League <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh my god it was like the best MST3K session ever because I was having a field day because the theatrical cut of Justice League was 
terrible. Uh, I was having a field day and sitting there by myself munching on popcorn, screaming various things at the screen. I think they're both. The, the, the Snyder Cut added felt like the Justice League at least. Yeah. But I mean, there's was a reason for every scene to have 20 minutes of slow. That movie could have been three hours or two it, hours even if they cut all the slow-mo out. Was, well, Christine said, she goes, you know, she goes, they, sh- they should have made this into a miniseries. She goes, this should have been like six one-hour episodes all together. But I did like how they cut it in the parts and it told you where to stop. Yeah, that was cool. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't good. Like people think it, he's so wonderful, but it was just. I don't know. At least he gets the characters better in this one. You know, he gets Batman yeah. a little better and stuff. It actually yeah. felt like the Justice League. Yeah. It does. I'll give him that. But. They handled the return of Superman a little better in this one. Then this like, yeah. oh, Superman's back. I'm like, no. I said, you fuckers. It, it took a year for Superman to come back correctly. Yeah. You know, that means for Superman, it's pretty much an afterthought. Mm. And, I, and I remember being a kid. I think I was eight years old when it happened in the comic books. And I was shook. Especially because my uncle had to explain to me. And he's like, well, we don't know if he's coming back. I mean, obviously, everybody knew he would eventually be back. <laughs> Yeah, but how they how good. they did it in the comic was fantastic. Setting up the death yeah. of Superman and then what happened after and how he returned. Yeah. yeah, you had all four Supermen and everything like that. It was awesome. Like I have the I well, I showed you guys the omnibus I have sitting. I haven't started it yet, but I remember a lot of that. And as I and said, like, how they did Doomsday, I thought you could have just made a one movie and how he came about instead of let's put yeah. him in for forty five minutes of the movie and then be done with it. Yeah. And he looks like a giant fucking turd. <laughs> but that whole Superman thing led to my favorite DC movie of all, which is Steel with Shaquille O'Neal. What a fucking classic that is. <laughs> do, you like it, do, you, do you like it better than Shazam? Or Kazam, I'm sorry. I've never seen Kazam, to be honest. Never? I Steel, and it's not very memorable. Uh, well, okay, okay, so Steel or... Uh, Halle Berry's Catwoman. Steel. Steel. Catwoman, uh, I think it was Rodney talking about the other day. It's not even Cat. I mean, obviously not Catwoman. It's not Selena Kyle, but it's some whole totally different character. They just slapped the name on because, right? I don't know. It was a waste of time. Like Fox keeping the Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. Just dumb yeah. shit. Yeah. Right, when Roger Corman does that FF movie, much better. That, that, that's better than the, that fucking new one. That's for sure. That oh my God, that was terrible. Let's make a body horror movie out of the Marvel First Family. What? what? The 2006 7 1 in the sequel were like Godfather 1 and 2 compared to the 2015 yes. one. Yes. At least they kind of get it. Kind of. Uh, that one's so I, they They had the right idea, but I think you need the crop of people like you have now, which makes me excited for this next one. Yeah, you need they, people who get it. Yeah. I don't know why they just decided to make Dr. Doom like an angry blogger, douchebag, helper scientist <sighs> stuck on the planet or whatever it was. It was the dumbest thing. So, so terrible. And, and you know, I mean, and then Michael B. Jordan before anybody who cared who Michael B. Jordan actually was. It's funny how the Johnny Storms turn out to be cooler Marvel characters eventually. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I didn't get a chance to say Ronnie was on the call. Ronnie might have no, I, I know. He might have given me crap about it. I was hesitant about Evans being capped because of how he was as Johnny Storm. Yeah. I, said, I, said, I, said, I said, I don't know about this. You know, I don't know if I can get him as Johnny Storm in a subpar Fantastic Four movie that I'm ahead. I said, prove me wrong, and he did. I thought it was a little weird, too, but then he did prove me wrong even in the first movie which i know gets a little bit of shit because it's a little goofy but it's a good movie it's fine well um, i mean you, it was you good know, i mean i mean you think about it, the captain america origin is kind of hokey and americana and it's absolutely honest. absolutely and they did right by right. tommy lee jones of who you're gonna you know perfect for that type of movie tommy lee jones aka michael harris hero <laughs> i will not sanction your buffoonery any alone fucking love that line i'm still crediting it to you even though tommy lee jones said it <laughs> <laughs> he took it because it, it, like, it sounds like something you would say it does it really 
really is perfect. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I know we totally veered off the topic, but we got some great conversation in. I yes. fucking love this. Yeah, I hope so. There's one thing I'll mention before we're done. Um, I, I like the way... <laughs> With this being Gunn's last uh, movie at the helm of this franchise, I like the way they set up a brand new team that will have a different feel for hopefully a new director to continue making movies under the Guardian's name. But they won't have to feel the same. Yep. A totally different team. Absolutely. That's why I think it's a perfect ending because they don't stop it. So they evolved it. On on that on that topic, how do we think Star Lord comes back? Because we have the legendary Star Lord will return. How uh, that's a solo film, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. Oh, he's or would that be cameos in a lot of the movies. I wonder. Yeah, that's what I wonder if they're going to do like a sort of connective tissue thing, like they do with Doctor Strange. I, I noticed Doctor Strange is kind of taking Iron Man's roles, kind of being in different movies, or or will it be like a Disney Plus series. Will he kind of get his own kind of like Disney Plus kind of She-Hulk type series? Yeah, which I could totally see Chris Pratt nailing either that or Star Lord decides to become you know normal everyday human being, gains yeah. a little bit of weight, and changes his name to Andy Dwyer. <laughs> it's a prequel. <laughs> exactly. Have any of you guys actually read? The Legendary Star-Lord comic series. I'm actually reading it right now, actually. No, I haven't really read any of the new stuff. I'm, I'm so out of the loop with anything newer, like none of the Bendis stuff or anything. Yeah, it's actually, been a while since I picked up uh, any comics. Yeah, I'm actually reading it right now, Michael. Believe it or not, I'm like three issues in. When I saw that show up on the screen, I'm like, okay, there has to be a reason it says Legendary Star-Lord. Yeah. So I looked it up, and I'm like, okay, so this is a series, a comic series after he leaves the guard. So that's my guess. I as to why it will probably be a solo film following something. I mean, it can't be can't be quite the same thing because from what I have read, uh, the series has to do with uh, Spartax and Jason and everything, and with Ego being his dad, you can't really follow that exactly. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I kind of like the idea of it being a Parks and Rec prequel. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Is he wandering the earth in this series, or is it more like Cosmic, the legendary Star-Lord comic? So the, the Star-Lord comic I'm reading right now is actually like a prequel to everything. Like, it kind of sets up like the backstory in a different way, where he's like this failed astronaut stuff and he gets in outer space and he meets Yondu so I think we're getting to that story like I'm I'm only three issues in so it's still kind of setting everything off like he hasn't met the Guardians yet or anything like that I hope hopefully we're going to get there um, I mean it's just okay like it hasn't really caught me yet but as, as I said if you're listening to this if you're on this call read the Eminent Landings 25 issues the Guardians it's a lot of fun it's a great read it's quick and Donnie Cates uh, has like a 12 issue run that's really good and you know kind of brings the team together and I need to finish Bendis's run before I can offer a opinion on because I'm not a big Bendis guy so yeah he's very hit or miss he's hit or miss exactly so well I mean if you have survived this long hearing <laughs> us talk about this this group of ragtag people thank you hopefully I didn't dominate too much in this conversation here hopefully I steered it in a fun direction I always get kind of self-conscious aye aye captain I think you're I'm, oh, Captain, my captain. Do <laughs> you guys have a good conversation? I'm pretty sure you did. We did, because you have the good counterpoint to what we were talking about. Here's what's crazy. The more and more uh, Spiker started talking, I'm like, man, I can't be the bad guy here. No, absolutely you can. Honestly, you know, I ain't got a whole lot bad to say. Um, just a few opinions. Guardians of the Galaxy is one of those uh, stories. 
And a lot of those characters, I don't know very well. So I wouldn't pretend to, you know, come on with a lot of knowledge about them. Um, What I will say is what I do like about the trilogy. And, you know, like we said earlier, I think Gunn took, oh, not took, he did a very good job taking uh, lesser known characters, introducing them to people because they're not mainstream known you have some leeway that you really don't have with other characters. So that's a positive thing. It's like, okay, we can really, you know, you got room to play with. Right. Like a lot of people, these guys characters were not a household name until now. Whereas if you start messing with a Superman or Batman, you really got to be careful because a lot of people got their heads in. Right. 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 Well, it's not just, you know, well, yeah, you're right. That That's a really good way to put it. Um, with somebody like Superman or Batman, you know, it's not that you can't make creative choices, but you probably should lean on the side of, OK, let's do some stuff that's familiar to people, at least uh, as far as like how these characters are known to act. I feel like that some of the liberties that people take with characters like Superman, Batman, they take the liberties with them instead of like changing the world around them and how would they react? react to new ideas you know what i mean yeah and like with a bvs it's like you got a superman who's really not likable even in his second movie and you got a batman who's super out of character and that's what makes people go man what the fuck is this you know um even my wife you know she knows who these characters are but she ain't as deep in it like me but she was like what are we watching what but why is batman pulling triggers on people and why is superman acting like he couldn't be bothered it's like you know in the case of guardians of the galaxy like i said you had a lot of leeway you had a lot of a room to play with the way they established the family aesthetic uh, that was really cool because in a team setting that's really what you want to do you probably shouldn't because <laughs> uh, I know Uru is sitting there and it's like yeah in in your opinion you know say <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, so let me be careful with that um you probably should in a team situation lead to some type of cohesion some type of family feel and that's what they did by the end of the first movie because we get that moment where we are group you know what i mean right. so that really worked it's like oh wow you know this is where we are so by the time you see them the next time oh yeah we know who these people are we know, you know what these individuals do how these individuals act and action you know what i mean i will say that in my opinion the second movie i think because of if i'm not mistaken james gunn didn't write the first movie i almost think that's a good thing because when he got his hands on it to me he leaned a little too a little too silly it, you know it's like you can be funny you can have humorous moments the part that got me in two and three was why is it that and it's the same thing I will critique any other aliens in movies why is it that the aliens act so much like a human would act and even though they've been around Quill I don't know that Quill is that influential to where everybody's acting like him you know what I mean it, to me that was kind of off-putting because when I look at the original like Star Wars trilogy even though you have humanoid characters because let's be clear Luke Skywalker is not a human they're not from Earth so they're not humans but you get human aspects from those characters but when they interacted with the aliens and interacted with like the Imperial you know troops and you know Darth Vader and all that there was a difference in how they acted and you know it it was um, they acted either a little more serious or they acted more 
were, I guess you could say, alien for lack of a better word. They didn't act so much like us. You know what I mean? But in the case of a Guardians, it's like, okay, I kind of get it. It's specifically with the Guardians themselves. Now, they would be influenced by Quill, but everybody else, I don't think so much, but that's just my opinion. Um, three, for me, by the time we got to that, like I was saying earlier, and I think I cut out, the heaviness of Rocket's uh, origin and everything, man, that was really heavy. That was really rough, but I liked it because it's like, okay, by the time of Guardians 3, you know, we should have some stakes. We should have some heavy shit because they've all been through some stuff and we know who these people are now, so the shit should be on by the time we get to 3. And it was on and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. But delving into the heaviness of Rocket's story was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, But I kind of feel like the humor, to me, it took away from the heaviness because for me, sometimes you, like watching Watchmen. Watchmen is a heavy story, so it's like, you in that shit, you really don't get up. You know what I'm saying? There, there's really not much levity at all, really not much humor. You're in that for like, how long was that movie? Like two and a half, three hours? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you don't get a chance to get up, and sometimes to me, you kind of need that, because by the time of the finale, it, man, I tell you what, Guardians 3, when they were fighting, that, that was like they hallway scene. They started that fight, and Drax was ragdolling people and one-punching folks and everything. I'm like, God damn, where was this shit? You know what I'm saying? So it's like by, by the time of that, it's like, yeah, I'm ready to get up now and ready to root. And 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 since you got that heavy rocket story, it's like, oh, that's my guy now. You know what I'm saying? That's that comeback. You want to be in that mouth punching moment and, you know, shoot the bad guy in his ass and everything. It's like, yeah, this, this is where I want to be now. So, you know, that, that's just how I feel about it. I would say three for me was a solid uh, seven out of ten. I ain't gonna go four out of ten like Bret Hart. Um, <laughs> or did he say seven out of ten? <laughs> or, or, or was his seven out of ten? No, 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 no. Bret was always the four out of ten, no matter what it was. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I like these movies. You know what I'm saying? I, I think, like I say, the family part and the newness of it all, and you know, we get this, this first time we get the space stuff. And uh, Spiker mentioned earlier, it's like, okay, we really get a good look at Thanos and his motivations and everything, and it really brought that side into it because you know, of course, we had the grounded characters like Iron Man and Captain America and others. So it, it was a really good addition to all of this live action comic book storytelling. I made a point and I knew you'd probably agree with this is that they did the like the tonal shift like, okay, you had the hilarity, but then you had like the balance better here than you did in like Love and Thunder, which tried to cover some heavy stuff too, but it did the better shift in Guardians 3 than it did in Love and Thunder, and that's something James Gunn always handled really well. You know what's interesting to me? Uh, what is it? Like Infinity War and Endgame, I feel like they used now, now here's one thing I'm going to disagree with you on as far as Gamora. I do understand they made me like Gamora, so I do care about her, but in these stories for me, and the way they did it, it's like, okay, this is is the tragedy. This is, these are the stakes. And to me, you know, uh, quickly to, to mention Hack Snyder, he doesn't do, he, he doesn't do setting up the fall very well. He doesn't set up stakes very well. So Gamora's death, it meant something by the time it happened, because we did care about her, and we did get to spend some time with her. My only gripe with how they handled that in Infinity War was why would Quill, you know, go off the way he did? And I know he loved her, but it's like, okay, you, you kind of acting like 
like a little bitch right now because it's like, okay, first of all, you were getting ready to shoot her in the face anyway. So you know what's at stake here. And then you find out that Thanos sacrificed and it's like, okay, I, I do understand you being emotional about it, but you do remember what's at stake here, right? And you were getting ready to shoot her in the face anyway because she asked you to. And then, because you mentioned Love and Thunder. To me, take a wash it in. That's what I call him affectionately. Um, he almost, in the brief moment that he used him, which kind of was pointless to me if you look at it, because he used them differently than Gunn. He really didn't, as far as I remember, he didn't use them in a comedic way. So it's like, did you not watch the Gun movies or Infinity War and Endgame before you made this part? Because he almost made them like more cohesive and badass than Gunn did. And, and, am I, or did I see that wrong? I mean, there were comedic moments like the moments with Thor and Rocket Brute were really well done. But no, I mean... No. It was definitely more of a different tone, though, too. So, especially because you meet them and they're getting the distress call from space, so they're instantly like clenching up for the most part. It's like, okay, you know what happened here? No, no, I'm saying uh, Love and Thunder. It's, it's like um, it's like he made Thor like super silly, and I didn't care for that at all. But it, so there's the contrast. So you remember to your point about Infinity War. So we they get the distress call and they come out of hyperspace and there's the debris everywhere and bodies all over space and it's like what the hell is going on we get the funny moment of you know quill trying to be taller than thor and stuff like that and that, and that was fun um and you know the 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 rabbit and the tree and all that and see now i'm forgetting my thought um so we get that introduction to thor and the heaviness of asgard being you know destroyed and everything and then yeah, it just see, i'm kind of losing my train of thought but it, it the, the way they kind of shifted between the russo brothers and gud and watiti and everything i don't know it you know, I know Gunn, that, that was his stuff as far as like doing the gardens and everything. But at certain moments, it's almost like somebody didn't get the memo as far as like what Gunn did already. And well, let me do this. And I don't know. It, it was just kind of weird. And I lost my job. So <laughs> part of that, they didn't maybe as much as they do. Like, Russo's in charge of the Infinity War game movies. And I don't know how much input Gunn got to have in it. And then, like, I think it was Spiker said earlier, at the end of Endgame, then, you have Thor going off with the Guardians, which probably wasn't something that Taika Waititi had in his plans for Love and Thunder, so you just have to do something with it. You weren't consulted or however you want to look at it. Oh, okay. You're you're right. And see, that's, you, you brought my thought back. Thank you. So it was like, the, it, to your point, the end of Endgame, they kind of had that interaction again where, you know, Quill and Thor are kind of, you know, going back, uh, back and forth with each other. And then by the time of Love and Thunder, it's almost like Waititi didn't see that part or didn't care about it and he still has Thor acting silly but now Quill is the more serious one and it, it that that kind of that was kind of weird to me but considering the story that they had in Love and Thunder to me it was kind of an afterthought to even have the Guardians in it other than I guess that was the way they got Thor where he needed to be as far as like you know spaceship with them or whatever I think that's really how it kind of went was they end this movie with Thor going with them I'm gonna have to start it with him with Guardians how do I get out this get them from point a to point b right yeah so i guess that's what they did yeah oh okay see now you made me think of something so kind of a natural circumstantial comedic thing and it worked like a charm to me in guardians 3 this is the this was this is one of the perfect ways how to set up and knock down a joke nebula's trying to open the car door <laughs> 
never seen a car door before. That's funny. Yes. And she, she's like, what do I do now? And he said, open the fucking door. <laughs> that funny. Yeah, exactly. The first F-bomb. But that was funny because it's like, yeah, she wouldn't know what a car door is. You know what I'm saying? And then even him trying to drive the car because he left before he was, you know, old enough to drive. So that was funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's not like you can't have levity. But like I say, to me, it's just when you do it, how you do it and who you do it with. Um, And again, with these characters, you had that levity to to kind of have like an awkward first meeting or a a first moment with a car or you know Yandu uh, he didn't know who the fuck Mary Poppins was so he's like I'm Mary Poppins y'all you know what I'm saying so that was fun uh, you know um, Cap with you know I am Steve Rogers you know stuff like that it's like you can there's ways to do it um, and I and I know that it's not bad to laugh I mean I don't come across like that but and I know what Gun was trying to do or even any of this, even a Taika Waititi, uh, or Waititi, Waititi, you know. Waititi. That is how I'm going to, that's what I'm going to call him, that Taika Waititi. Waititi. To me, it's just how you do it and why you do it. The same thing I will criticize Gun for is the same thing I will criticize him in Suicide Squad for. First of all, he said John Ostrander's name, and that's like, okay, you can't fuck that up. And then he did a complete 180, and it's like, bruh, so you, 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 you got me to watch it because you said John O'Strand's name, and then you do the opposite. And, and that's, that's just my. In the movie, I mean, he's the one who injects him with the shot, Michael Rooker, in the beginning. That's John O'Strander. I think he, right. he must have been happy to be in it. I don't know. Well, yeah, and I ain't going to criticize him for taking a check because, I mean, he done wrote, you know, uh, uh, well, you know, that was back in the 80s when he wrote those stories. But, at, you know, to me, Suicide Squad is a dirty dozen. And and that's how they created it for DC, uh, DC Comics anyway. So it's like, OK, I want to see some heavy shit. And, you know, you know how much I critique Hack Snyder for darkness. It's like, OK, Superman ain't dark. He has some dark villains, but Superman ain't dark. Batman is a dark-toned character, and he has some very dark villains. And Gotham City itself is a dark character. But Suicide Squad, it's like, you can't, you don't get no heavier than that. I ain't expected to go in here and have, you know, Peacemaker and, uh, what's the name, uh, Bloodsport arguing with each other like they teenage boys. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this ain't the moment for that, but that's just me. Uh, well, yeah, I got to respectfully disagree because I, I think it captures that. Again, it's got the gun twist, so it's a little chatty, and they got them like, fighting like teen boys or whatever, but... I definitely felt like it was more like the comic book than the original movie was. Like, times a million. It felt like an old story. I will say that. And I think I, they're I, a little goofy because the characters are like B-level characters. You know, they kind of went back that way. Yeah. And, and see, so, so you know, to my point about who you do it with, if they would have had Captain Boomerang in that movie, that's him. You know what I'm saying? But they killed him off in the first goddamn scene. And it's like, come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it was kind of <laughs> weird considering he was one of the best parts of the original movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and he had that silliness to him. So it's like, okay, he's the guy that tries to get everybody else fucked up. You know what I mean? And that's the running. If there's a running gag in Suicide Squad, it's him trying to get people's head blown off. You know what I mean? Yep. So run yeah. with it. I'm cool with that. But, you know, I do understand that they are trying to introduce these characters and, you know, get a bigger audience and stuff like that. I Sometimes I just wish if you're going to do that, that's perfectly fine. But there are a lot of characters that fit the ideas that they have. And it's like, okay, 
this character is sitting there waiting for you. And since people don't know the character you're using anyway, well, they don't know this character either. So just use this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> Will Smith, black guy. Deadshot ain't black. But you know who is black? Bronze Tiger. One of the most badass martial artists in DC Comics. If Will Smith would have been Bronze Tiger, there would have been more kids wearing Bronze Tiger costumes during Halloween than Black Panther. I guarantee it. So, like, are some of these characters that you think they should use and don't, would they be harder to get across on the screen versus the page? Or no? In some cases, maybe. So that's a good point. In some you, cases, maybe Bronze uh, Tiger, I think it would have been easy wasn't michael j white didn't he play him and was it what show was it was it arrow it was arrow and and they made him they basically made him a thug so that shit was hard the outfit was kind of real world nice you know what i mean it was it was was like okay this is a nice how you do or how you would do his costume i think as long as you put the the right mind behind it you can do pretty much anything yeah that's true you know and like i say i will say that snyder he did a good job with Watchmen. that's like if i'm going to give him any compliment it would be for Watchmen. so it's I, like well how do you, say how do you follow Dead. that up i'd say dawn of the dead's really the only Zach and 300's okay but that Zack snyder is just not good he's very beautiful visually and i've already said this since earlier but he can make something look just like a comic book panel that's why 300 so impressive because frank miller not the greatest artist but he's interesting he's right, kind of a, right. he's kind of a lunatic now but he you know he's written some fucking influential stuff but Zack snyder makes that movie look like the comic book in many places same thing with batman superman there's some scenes in that look like the dark knight returns but he never gets the characters he just doesn't get it to your point about not getting the characters as far as dark knight returns i think what he got wrong and what some people in my opinion don't understand about dark knight returns and the look of batman to you to what you just said that's an art style that's not the how-to for how he should look batman should never be bigger than superman and if you look at that book everybody looked like that so why wouldn't Superman looked like that too. Yeah, I mean, Superman was big, old school, Kurt Swan style, but like blown in weird Frank Miller proportions, but he was huge. And I mean, there's that one panel where he's like literally holding the tank over his head because he's at this point, he's what, like a, a, a deterrent for the US against like the Cold War. It's, it's really disturbing, but you know, right, he's a tool right. kind of, but he's still Superman. So he's like this huge statuesque thing drawn in that weird style. And it's like, it's pretty cool. But yeah, like the Henry Cavill Superman looks fine, but I don't understand why they didn't give him red trunks why is it so bad to have red trunks but whatever but he's fine but it's like you know you compare him to like the superman from the original movie not even talking about the comic book let's going by the general public watch in 1977 or 78 whatever it was mm. his dad dies of a heart attack and he's upset because he's superman and he can't save him right like right. that's deep like all his powers in the world no matter what he can do he can't save him and that's why the ending's kind of weird with his turning back time for lois i don't agree with the ending but it's fine yeah. whatever because you can always give superman power but it's so good how he, he it's just superman because he can't so to have kevin castor go no don't save me because people will see you the fuck are you doing first of all it's superman so we can do that super speed gimmick and fucking save him real quick and it's over <laughs> you know what, I mean? so what the fuck hey, oh, I it. hey. like, I, I, it just so made me you, so mad i remember sure going, uh, fuck that movie fuck Zack snyder i mean i i totally hear you fuck him just, just doesn't get it. Preach it, no. You, you preach it, no. Superman is so fast, nobody would have seen it. You know right. I mean? so that, like, mean, yeah. that was that, the stupidest thing about thing. Zack Snyder. It's like you forgot what you did in your own goddamn movie. This is a movie about Superman. You know he's super fast, right? Right. Nobody would see him. What the fuck hmm. are you doing? You but know? This, that's what kills me, though, is he gets the whole Superman would definitely fly like that. 
it wouldn't be no bullshit Christopher Reeve nonsense in the fucking mold. It would be him like fucking shooting off like a goddamn skyrocket. And that was pretty cool, right? right? But it's like, you know, he gets the idea of the surface, but he doesn't get the characters. And, and that's why I like James Gunn, because, you know, you might not like that he's goofy sometimes, but I think even with the Suicide Squad, I see Ostrander in there. I do, big time. Like, then obviously Ostrander, again, he cast his check, but I think there's a reason he's in that movie. And he's like, you know, he's got a pretty juicy part, even compared to Jim Starlin in the beginning of Endgame or whatever. I mean, I don't know. Well, Starlin. I think Starlin spoke, didn't he? Yeah, he got to talk. So, yeah. He got to talk. Yeah. And Ostrander did, too. He, he's like a lunatic because he looks crazy now with his hair all done up like a mad scientist. And he's like... I remember the shot, but I don't remember what he said. I, he I, says something I goofy. Oh, okay. And it's not a much yeah, bigger part at all, but... Again, it's yeah, like a little know, shout out. I don't know. I, I see some of it in there. I definitely know what you mean. And there's the gun spin on it that it's a lot funnier and goofier. And, and there's a lot of those Ostrander stories are pretty much dirty dozen. Like, boom, let's get the mission. Let's do this and get it done. There's some jokes now, like you said, Captain Boomerang's goofball and this and that. But it was a different team. I don't know. I, I still got the vibe. And then there's stuff in the first Suicide Squad movie, like that whole scene where um, that Slipknot dude gets tricked by Captain Boomerang and his head explodes, like you were saying. That's from Ostrander. Yeah, but, yeah. But the, like the movie crazy, really yeah. just it just didn't feel. It felt more like a shitty road movie where they're trying to shoehorn the Joker in. And, and, and there's a lot of stories yeah, where they... Necessary. No, and I'm Joker's one of my, probably my favorite comic character, although he's so overdone now. I don't know if I can say that like I used to. But I used to love him back when he was kind of rare. You know, you'd see him maybe once a year in the comics. But now right. it's like he's everywhere and he's this and that and the Batman who laughs bullshit. And it's like, I don't even know what's going on. But I mean, yeah. I still love his seeing him in a movie or a TV show. But it's like it was kind of unnecessary for that movie. Yeah. Uh, in closing, because I know I've been talking too long. Um, Me too. And I'm I, sorry. <laughs> when I make my Nightwing project, Harley Quinn died. I'm just going to say mm. that off top. She's not you know, a likable character like they're trying to make her now. And that's okay. Cause she's a villain. We need villains, ladies and gentlemen. The best thing she ever said in any of these modern movies is we're the bad guys, remember? But some people tend to forget that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to your point, Joker, Harley Quinn, honestly, even Batman is overused. It's like y'all got so much stuff to do. And I love Batman, but it's like, God damn, can we do something else? Agreed. Yeah, and that's saying as a big fan, I agree. I mean, they see a Nightwing movie. Yeah, you know. So, Hot Rod, in your Nightwing project, who plays Nightwing? <sighs> He, he would probably be too old by the time I get to make it. Um, what's I'm trying to think of his... I know his first name. I can't think of his last name. Okay, yes, I can think of his last name. Tanner Buchanan from Cobra Kai. Go look he, played, uh, uh, he plays Johnny's son. Robbie. Okay. Robbie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Robbie. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, and, I, I, I don't hate that. That's a good idea. Yeah, and he's got the personality, and most importantly... He can do the shit. He can do the moves. Yeah. I, I feel like, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Ben Affleck, but I feel like, it, I know that they have to sell these projects to the public, but to me, sometimes that's a drawback because it's like, not only do you get like 50 takes in a fight because you know that ain't the motherfucker doing this shit, but I, I feel like with unknowns, think about the fact that by the time of Superman 78 and yeah, I was three. So, you know, I didn't know who Christopher Reeve was, but nobody knew who Christopher Reeve was. And then this guy goes on to define Superman. You know what I mean? It, people were aware of who Christian Bale was. But to me, there ain't no Batman but Christian Bale. You watch Batman Begins. That's how to. They made the entire. So on the face, when you look at Batman's costume, that's the silliest thing you 
one of the silliest things you'll ever see if you look at the costume. But they made every part of that costume mean something. Well, it was yeah, it was neat that they explained it. You know, like oh, you can turn your head, blah blah blah, functionality. Yeah. At first, I was like, what the hell is this shit? It's like the mythos, you know what I mean? But I was like, oh no, I get it. And you watch it. And yeah. Like, I mean, okay. down to down to the ears on the cow, because he put yeah. a listening device in that motherfucker. I'm like, wow, they made yeah. that shit make sense. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah. like, man. It, but but see, honestly, to me, it, and you know, my opinion, it, it, he's like the only guy that you can really kind of break stuff down like that, because you know, you, you have fictional logic that you can apply to a lot of characters. He's the most human. Yep. Yeah, he's the most human. So to watch him put together a suit of armor, it's like, oh, this shit makes sense. You really don't have to do that with Guardians of the Galaxy because it's like, okay, yeah, these motherfuckers they from space, so we know this shit ain't real, and you can, like I say, you can pretty much do whatever you want yeah. with characters like, you know, yeah. or even a Superman, it's like you come up with a new kryptonite and it's like, okay. That's what you gotta do with Superman, he's too hard to write for because you gotta find something that can you know, give him a challenge, and that's hard to make it good, you know? Yeah, so you challenge his morality, you know what I'm saying? Or you, yeah, not his morality, but his yeah. uh, his humanity, because he yeah. cares, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'll, I'm babbling, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Me too, man. Oh, this right here was the teaser trailer for the upcoming DC Cinematic Universe reboot discussion we'll have That's down correct. the line here. Yes. Hey, going to draw people in. We'll definitely do that, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, once again, I'm sorry I uh, missed the rest of the conversation. No, we're glad you got back on and sound. Yeah, man. Really glad you got back on and dropped your thoughts. There's a lot of good things in there. So we go from talking about great heroes to talking to someone who people consider less than that. We talked about a talking tree that says, I am Groot. I only wish that this guy would be able to say three words, but I don't know what those three words would possibly be. Anyways, coming up next is the underrated wrestlers by a guy who will tell you he's not underrated and proceed to spend hours telling you why he is Chris Saha. Wrestlers that people say are overrated that are actually underrated. Yeah, or properly rated. So I notice at least once a week somebody posts in one of the many wrestling groups we're in, or they even post it on Twitter, like who people feel is like are the, the most overrated wrestlers of all time. I'll tell you three of the names that I see, them, and then you guys can tell me if you see those same names or if there's other names that you guys see. We'll go from there. So I always invariably see Hogan, Ric Flair, Bill Goldberg every single time. Yeah, I would say that's fair. They do get mentioned a lot. I guess my confusion with Goldberg is who the hell's rating Goldberg that highly as a wrestler? That's what I'm saying. I don't I, I don't know if they're just basing it on the fact that he was like a big star and maybe they feel that he doesn't deserve those allocades. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was definitely a name and yeah. popular for a, a fairly extended period of time. Yeah. I don't hear anybody saying, man, you know who was fucking great? Bill right. Goldberg. Right. I know. That's why it's funny when people say he's overrated. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's he rated? Do you even know what you're talking about? I think I, sometimes people misunderstand what overrated means, and they just think that overrated means it's somebody you don't like. Yeah, I can see that. What do you got, Drew? I see you over there foaming at the mouth. You're ready to say something. When I think of like overrated guys, I think of people like Van Hammer, who <laughs> obviously like The Office looked at the dude, and they're like, oh, fucking muscles, and yeah. he looks like a fucking rock and roller, and blah, blah, blah. And then the guy goes out there, and he's a fucking eggplant. Yeah, <laughs> eggplant. I love it. That's great. Yeah. You know, but then they just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. To me, that's what overrated is. Yep, I agree with that. Okay, so I'll throw one out there, and it's Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, he's fine, and he's not the greatest of all time. But here's the thing. The people that say Kenny Omega is the greatest of all time is a very...
very, very small fraction of people that watch wrestling. It's very okay. small. Yeah, yeah, most hardcore fans. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, he is not overrated because you have this small group that says he's the greatest and you have a large majority that says he's somewhere between fine to, oh my God, he's the worst thing ever. So that puts him pretty much right in the middle overall. Yeah. It's just that group that says he's the best ever is extremely vocal and won't shut up about it. Right. Right. <laughs> Yep, and I agree. Why don't you shut your big yappers? <laughs> <laughs> the reason why his matches with Okada were so good were because Okada is so good. Okada. It's not because Kenny was the guy in that. Right. He was the guy working with the guy in that match, essentially. Yeah, he's fine. I don't see what all the other fans see. So I could be, maybe I'm wrong about something. But I mean, certainly since AEW launched, I expected him to be like this super breakout star. And it just, to me, it never happened. He had oh. decent matches. And sometimes they... They forget that just because you have a, you always have great matches doesn't mean like you're the greatest of all time. It's like okay, well then Demolenko is the greatest of all time because right. he was having great right. matches with you know the guy selling souvenirs. So I, he's good. I don't think he's certainly don't think he's bad. But I just again I didn't see what everybody else saw or what the, the hardcore fans saw. I don't know. I've watched the Okada matches and they're I'll say they're spectacular, but I don't think it's like the greatest match I've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination. Oh. No, I mean they're great like matches. Big, they're like spectacles. You know, they're not even. Yeah. Event. Yeah, it's something to watch. They're athletes, and there is a story they're telling, but it, yeah. it's not it's a wrestling just, story. It's like Indiana Jones type stuff instead of like a little drama. It's like an yes. action adventure thing or something. I don't know. Right. What the, I don't know what the plot of their movie is, and that's fine. You know, it's not directed sure. at me. That's why, you know, I'm I'm really like vanilla about Kenny Omega. I just don't really give a shit. Yeah, I'm not hungry. What I've seen of him on AEW, I'm not impressed. I mean, maybe he's a big game player, but he fucking sucks week to week from what I've seen. Yeah. I'm sorry. His performances in AEW don't match up. He doesn't deserve. I said, I don't think Kenny Omega deserves to have Jerry curls. He doesn't. He didn't earn them. <laughs> Isn't they look soul. dry, but they're wet. Right? They're yeah, wet they really dry. are like the worst. They're the opposite of a good one. <laughs> it should look wet and be dry. Sure, absolutely. Is that a Riho joke? Or, oh, there's hair. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so easily distracted. <laughs> I don't even know. Who, I've never even seen Riho. That's she's how fine. different I am. I, yeah, yeah. I have she's, no idea who that dude she's, is. She's fine. She's well. Oh, she's, she's, I'm she's, sorry, she's I'm real sorry. little. She's not very good. She's like Marlon Miller in drag size. She's nice. <laughs> she's like the zero one two kid i think it's hilarious when i see a list of people people's like overrated wrestlers and i see rick flair on there i'm like okay wait, what way is rick flair overrated rick now, flair is guys, wonderful but he just wrecked his career being his legacy but he's a legend of all time yeah. Yeah. The, the problem okay, with flair's work he did the same match yeah, the same but, thing he accused everybody else stuff. of yeah but he was, you know and he's an asshole but he was you can't say he wasn't an all-time whatever but he became he was like a vegas residency you know he's like Wayne Newton. He was like fucking Engelbert Humperdinck. You knew exactly what the fuck he was going to do every fucking night, night after night after night. So you knew you were going to get the face flop and you were going to get the fucking flip in the corner. And it was, I, I was okay with it because I, I, I mean, I was born into it and conditioned to it, you know? But he had I don't think that hurt anything. It was the same gimmick, but he was a lot of, you know. I don't think that hurt anything. I think, if anything, it probably helped him because when people go to see Ric Flair, they expect to see the flip. You want to see all the hit. Yeah, right? I don't think anybody's like, wow, I was going to go to this Ric Flair match but 
says he's going to do that flare flop. I'm not going. I, that's I don't what the haters say, though, though, you know? Nah, that's bull crap. That ain't well, that's, that's, really, that's their beef against his work. He does the same shit over and over. Yeah, it, but it worked, though. Everybody, look at how many. Everybody has their signature spots that they do. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. Bret Hart, who wants to rail against Flair, saying Flair worked the same match his whole career, which he didn't. Go watch some Bret Hart matches. Yeah. Same fucking spots happen in every match. Sure. It just, Michaels, too. You look at a guy like Flair, who Woo. was traveling to every territory, working with some great wrestlers, some not great wrestlers, and you're expected to go an hour, mm-hmm. or you're expected to go 45 minutes. Yeah, you're going to work a lot of the same shit, because you do the things that everybody can do. And then... Yeah. You add in other things into those matches based on your opponent, but you have your cut and dried items that are going to happen so that it always works. I guarantee you, if we could see the matches he and Steamboat were having for the U.S. title, Mm -hmm. those are not the same matches we saw in 1989. Right. But by the time he's champ in 89, he's been the main event scene for 15 years. So yeah, yeah, you're going to have things like that because the fans now have watched him for so long. They expect certain things. Right. Yeah, And they, uh, the same people that complain about about doing the every move that was just flair and everybody else adapting to the new television world that they're living in right you got to get your shit in because you got seven fucking minutes <laughs> with entrances so yeah, it was just a whole yeah. different game you know and, and maybe also, bret hart yeah. did have a different match every night in stampede good for him okay guess maybe, what? Maybe. everybody else had fucking different match every night in the territories too so fuck right. you brett wow. with your pepto-bismol pants wow I didn't know where you were going there. That's, that's a hot take. That, that's what's fucking, that's overrated fucking Pepto-Bismol colored pants. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a good day today, didn't you? And Upset the stomach, thing, diarrhea. The, the, the other Chris, thing uh, with, God, you what? raised your hand? I was yeah, going to give you mine. Thanks for asking, but you raise uh, your hand. Go ahead, sir. Uh, well, I didn't even, you, you can go, Bill. That's fine. I just, I didn't know oh, you could really? even do Thank that. You. I saw Drew do so it and I got confused. Um, you go oh, next door, okay. I'll, sh- I'll come back to you shortly. Thank you so much. Take you know time. what? You make me hungry for a Kinder Egg. I love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, you're very sweet. Well, I got to bring that. I got to focus. Okay, yes. Superstar Billy Graham. Some people call him overrated. He's a piece of shit now. Well, I mean, obviously, he's really sick. So it's kind of a weird thing to kind of bury him at this point. Didn't really end his, his legacy was super tarnished because he's kind of a shit bag. But as far as his ability and influence, not a great worker per se, but holy shit, a lot of people, you know, he influenced a lot of people. A lot of people mm-hmm. stole his stuff. You know, bad person. But as far as the legacy, I don't think you can overrate him high enough. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Nope, I like agree. I said, I'm not saying the person's a good person. I'm not sticking up for him, but I think he is underrated as how far he's really, and maybe he should be because he should be buried maybe. And I know he's real sick, whatever, but his influence is really big. Well, and I think a lot like Goldberg, sure. where are people ranking superstar Billy Graham to where he could be overrated? You know what I mean? I you, I don't hear people bringing his name up in conversations for the greatest of all time. So if somebody says he's overrated, that means they just didn't like him. And that's fine. It's okay to not like him. But there are very few people that are rating him highly enough that he could possibly be overrated. Yeah, I would agree with right. that, too. Right. I think but then again, it might yeah. be the fact he's wrecked his legacy since the 80s. I mean, do you remember he came back and he had that bald and he was with a goatee oh, yeah. like the Hulk? So yeah. He was like a smaller Hulk. Yeah, but I think his legacy yeah, was, is yeah. just his character overall. And then the influence that he brought to the business yeah. as far yeah. as like physique and promo. But, you know, I mean, there was a time, though, in the 70s where he was he could bump his ass off. He was flying around for people. He was a lot of fun, man. His promos are hilarious. But, I mean, he couldn't. Yeah. He had to have some. He was kind of like Nikita or Carrie or somebody like that. He could do a good match, but he had to have somebody.
somebody to Beat him take it, it from him. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I agree. But to yeah. Michael's point too, yeah, nobody's I've I've never seen SSBG in a top twenty I, list anywhere. I, other than like best promos or like most influential. Because he did he, like he truly that, is like he, very influential, you know. I guess he's probably yeah, like the grateful dead of wrestling. Yeah, his music's fucking awful like that, and his fucking yeah. fans are shitty stink bag hippies. Right. But but he has a lot of influence. <laughs> you know, Bill mentioned tarnishing his legacy, and this is one of those things where I think people kind of go overboard with that. His legacy is what? He hasn't done anything that's changed what he was as a wrestler. Same with Flair. Flair's a shitty person. He's still my favorite wrestler because doing his job, there wasn't anybody really that was much better. There's a short list of guys like Terry Funk, Ricky Steamboat, Jack Briscoe, lots of guys you could throw up there as possibly Sean, whatever, as good or better. Fine. But what he is as a person has no bearing on him as a rest. They're two right. totally different things. Same with superstar Billy Graham. Yeah, he wants to talk shit about everybody in the business or <laughs> the business itself or whatever. That's fine. That doesn't change what he did in the ring or what he did on promos or whatever else. That's just, he's not a great person. Right. Newsflash. Everybody but like Bobby Eaton, Molly Holly, and Owen Hart were shitty people if they were in the wrestling business. Thank Pretty you much. for saying what needed to be <laughs> said, Michael. I mean, <laughs> everybody in the wrestling business did something shitty. Yeah. True. Except True. for those three people. I think that's essentially the agreed upon list of people that you can say were fine. And Marty and not, I'm sure not, and I'm sure I guarantee you people fun. did bad shit to all of them, all three of them. Oh yeah. But, but they just didn't, you know, Nick Google the champions Bobby of humanity they Google. are. What could be worse than that? Yeah. Like, hey, you're great. You're going to team with my idiot son. <laughs> True. But I mean, you know, Jerry, everybody took advantage of a guy like Bobby Eaton. And that's, right. that was like his only true downfall was he was too fucking nice. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, like I wanna, I wanna, right. Yeah. I want to go, go back to flair for a minute because people talk about that. We just put your just fucking hand down. I got things to say. Um, <laughs> the so thing with flair, when people are like saying, oh, he did the same match every night, that style helped get a lot of guys over that stayed over for the the rest of their careers like Luger, Sting, Carrie, Nikita, who, who else? Steamboat, really honestly. Warriors. Yeah. What Road Warriors? I mean, right? the, the horsemen taught the Road Warriors how to work, basically. Uh yeah, basically. So that's a really good point. Yeah, of course it is. Thanks to me. That's, <laughs> that was what I mean. Like a, the wave of television adapting to the TV product as opposed to the arena product. Yep. Yeah. Did you guys ever see did you ever get a chance to see Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat or Ric Flair versus Sting live? Because to me, those are my two favorite Flair rivalries. No, I did not. Nerd. No, but thanks for bringing up bad memories, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about my divorce. Hey, all right. Let's do what it. What else you got? Jeez. I, what else you got in the chamber there, Fritz? I have a lot of things to say about that. Gosh. Fritz von Zaha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Who, who, else do, who else do you guys see? Hold on. I don't want to keep raising my hand. I don't know how to do this. Let me unraise my hand. So you mentioned Hogan. I was actually going to bring Hogan up, which probably sounds weird because I've done nothing but tear Hogan down constantly. Yeah time we bring him up but unless you're gonna say he was one of the five best workers of all time it's not possible to overrate him no i don't think so the impact he had on the business and the money he drew and the impact he had overall in getting a regional business into a worldwide business because of his popularity brother can't be Dude. can't be overstated enough how important he was. I, and I, you know, if you look at like worker, like by the very definition, he is top five just because he drew the most money. You know what I mean? If oh, you're so that, like, that's a draw, not a worker. Those are two different things. Uh, okay, okay, I'll give you that. 
I'll give you that. You guys think that he will be more popular than Tom Cruise? With an, or an, I know he'll be better than John Travolta, <laughs> but do you think he's going to be a more bigger Scientology star than Tom Cruise? I don't think so because David Miscavige, Miscavige or Miscavige is like tiny. He's like Marlon Mueller. I'm sorry to keep bringing him up, but I'm just trying to think of him. What's going on with you and Marlon Mueller? Is it like tall? <laughs> Nothing. I don't hate him at all. I just it's just a, a comparison that pops in my head. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was about somebody named Cabbage or something that was a Scientologist. Oh, yeah. Cabbage Carrera? The head of Scientology and the holster. Um, you know, he's joining the ranks with his new girlfriend brothers. So he's going to. So I wonder Holster's how that's going to a Scientologist? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. The girl he's dating There's, now is. I, I think he's figured out a new grift. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. He, he's going to lie to get whatever money he can get. It's like the scam meeting of the minds, brother. Like, who's really going to gouge out who? It's like Scientology versus Hulk Hogan. It's yeah, like religion biggest... versus wrestling. Who's the bigger card? <laughs> yeah. right. LRH versus HH, brother. On Twitter the other day, Honkster and his uh, DJ Hogan son were holding a... Uh, doing a little promo for the, the wet t-shirt contest or some shit at the Hogan beach shop. God, that's horrible. Hosted by DJ Hogan on the ones and twos. And uh, Hogan, <laughs> the Hulkster standing there doing this. Yeah. Stop in for the wet t-shirts, brother. And he's wearing like a John three sixteen tank top. And everybody's like, yo, Hulk, what's up with the tank top, bro? So then immediately the video disappears. And then he's wearing just like a Hogan's beach shop shirt. And they do the same promo all over again. God, he's horrendous. <laughs> He, he is um, he's he's brutal <laughs> brother yeah i mean we can say what we want about hogan but i don't know that all of us would have been as big of fans had it not been for hogan even though, even though i was a fan before i saw hogan same know, him coming him coming yeah out, taking the nation by storm dude goose delayed the golden egg yeah man yeah he, hogan was awesome i don't hogan like especially like even like 88 89 90 hogan he was awesome like that cage match he had with big boss man that's right it's made event. That came back rule, dude. Hogan went away for me when uh, WrestleMania 7. That's when Hogan, like the aura of Hogan died for me as a fan. Like he wasn't, that, it just was because? cheesy as hell. And it was so contrived. That's fair. Like that was the first time when I was watching wrestling. I was like, dude, they're like trying, totally trying to make money off of the Gulf War. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so painfully right there. Yeah. Were there, do you think there were other, were there other wrestlers coming up around that time that kind of um, changed your view of Hogan? Like, it, you know, Undertaker was starting to like pick up steam at that point. Um, I'm trying to think of like, like warrior, ultimate warrior. Warrior was the guy that shifted light. That was like WrestleMania six, dude. That was a fever pitch watching that pay-per-view we had a yeah. hostile crowd at the house man we were, it was split house divided who are you cheering for i was a warrior guy man i was like let's go well you should have been happy that day because the war i was out. dude i the ran around out. the house in my underwear with tassels all over me i, I know you did <laughs> yesterday but i'm wondering what you did at wrestlemania 6 yeah the same thing oh okay <laughs> this, these are lifestyle choices <laughs> Well, that doesn't make the world work, but okay. <laughs> well, when the planets from the Grimlock system align, you know, time to cut a promo. What do you think doomed the Ultimate Warriors title reign? Because I, I remember watching. They didn't have any guys ready for him. That was it, right? Because I didn't. He was fine. He didn't do anything wrong. His, you know, whatever he was doing prior to winning the but, belt, like as far as like that style. Obviously, he's not going to change once he wins the belt. I think he just needed maybe just a different roster to work with or different guys or whatever. There wasn't really anybody left either. Hogan had already destroyed every heel in the wrestling business that meant anything. Good point. I mean, he 
He beat Andre, and then he well they started him with Rude again, who he'd already beat. Yeah, and then they went to Andre, who Hogan or who Hogan had already slammed and beat. You know, so there was no mountain that Warrior could climb that Hogan hadn't already been to the top of. Yeah. So then they tried with Undertaker, and that you know Papa Shango. They tried some other shit, but it just wasn't happening, man. Do, so do you think that they should have went with Savage? I think from the beginning. Uh, but that should have been his first. Program. I was just thinking that. Just gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. Savage and Warrior would have been amazing. Well, I mean, uh, Earthquake. I mean, everybody that was around Hogan had already beat. They weren't developing young talent at all, so you didn't have anybody in the pipeline, yep. and you hadn't made a deal to bring somebody in to be waiting as the next big challenger or whatever. So well, they had the other- nothing new until Slaughter came back, and that was Here, terrible. Here's the other problem too, and and this is where. Sorry, I'm stepping all over you, Drew, but this is important. So here's the problem is that, like, let's say, for example, Warrior is a world champion, right? And then just for some bizarre reason, Sting decides he wants to come into the WWF. Obviously, that's going to be a huge match, right? I guarantee Vince would bring Sting in and put Sting over Warrior because that's exactly what he did when he had Demolition and the Road Warriors. Vince took the team that he created himself or whoever, Randy Colley or whatever. And instead of having them have, like, maybe at least some sort of evenly matched bouts with the Road Warriors, he had the Road Warriors just squash them, which Uh, is weird because Vince's uh, reputation is that he squashes guys from other companies. But in this case, he took his guys and just buried them. I have an opinion on that. That was right when they came in. That was when uh, Bill Eady got had the shellfish reaction that he claims or the heart attack that the WWF claims. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, that was when they had brought Crush in. And at that point, I, I mean, I love Crush, man, but demolition is axe and smash. And if it's not axe and smash, it's watered down. Do you think <laughs> that you, they were yeah. damaged goods at that point? Yeah, that's, that's I think Vince okay. saw that the, 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 yeah, the rubber tread was off the tires you know there's a few burnouts left in the demolition machine but he was going to use them to get the warriors over that's too bad as he could. I, I think the thing that really hurt was uh nikita koloff leaving the business for a stretch because he's the guy that you could have brought in to face warrior post mania six. Oh sure Wow. You can still play up the Russia thing, but he's got the look, the size. He's brand new to the territory. So like Drew's point, Ogan has not beat him and made him look inferior. And it's not yeah. retreading ground for Warrior that Hogan had already gone over. Right. So Nikita being out of the business or... I don't know, was he in a, maybe AWA by that point? Whatever it was. He might have been doing shots for AWA at the time. And his yeah. wife had gotten sick, you know, and he was off the juice and he didn't look the same, anything. That was a missed opportunity because that would have been the time to finally bring in Nikita since they didn't get him in like 87 or 88 when it would have been the hottest with Hope. Yeah, and it could have been a one and done too with Nikita because he probably wouldn't have stuck around. No. He would have had to come in as his, I mean, he'd be like, dude, you can't, I just literally changed my name to Nikita Koloff for real, dude. <laughs> You want me to come in as like Scott Simpson or whatever the hell his name was? Scott, right? Scott I want you to be Scott Simpson from Minnesota. Scott what? Simpson from Moscow. Scott GQ Ball Simpson, Minnesota. <laughs> That's the thing. There wasn't that big name out there to bring in. That's a great idea. I mean, maybe Luger, yeah. but I don't even know if he was a big enough. He might have been. Yeah, Widowmaker, Luger. Oh, okay. 
Perfect, right there. The whole thing with Kendall and Blackjack. Maybe yeah. Great Muda. That killed another opportunity that Warrior would have had because they were building Barry Windham up at the end of 89. Yeah, they were. When he left the company. And he even said at the first fan fest I went to, because I asked him, I'm like, you know, 10-year-old me, I see you come in. I didn't know about you in the NWA at that point, but I see the Widowmaker come in and you're a big guy, like big enough to be able to look Hogan in the eye, basically. Yeah, exactly. It looked convincing. I'm like, were, were there plans for a Widowmaker Hogan showdown or feud at some point? And he said, yes, that was in the cards potentially well if he'd have been around in the company still and had been kept you know up near the top of the card barry windham and ultimate warrior would have been a tremendous first uh title defense run for oh, warrior because yeah. the matches would have been fantastic because barry would have carried his ass to good matches yeah. and, I, and i think warrior would have trusted barry enough, too right and yeah, windham so. was big enough to look like a legitimate threat oh yeah dude he was a legit what six five six 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 five yeah he's a big dude yeah and back then he was like 285 probably yeah, yeah around there 275 280 yeah i mean he was big and he you know he'd finally filled out a little bit because like yeah. even, dude, even that whole outfit and everything dude he just looked yeah. menacing yeah. he looked like a killer yeah Very that, i mean that's another a good shout out he's another guy that could have been the guy there for warrior to work with that was new and fresh and that hogan hadn't beaten already yeah, it was gonna have to be somebody from another company coming in right and but nikita i think was a great idea holy shit yeah he would have been great but that would have that would what's the uh what is what do those guys call it Two guys chopping, slapping meat, or whatever the hell it is. Big, meat. Oh, yeah. meaty men, big meaty men slapping meat. And meat. Got yeah. out with Spiker and Big E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's great stuff. Sam was watching this show one day. She watches all those, you know, whatchamacallit, true TV shows or history train, all of reality's things. And she was watching about this preacher's daughter show. And she, I was I was watching this girl. She's like, My dad's a preacher and he used to be arrested. And I was like, Holy shit, it's Nikita Koloff. And it was, did, did you guys ever watch that shit? Yeah, it was awful. It was, awful. It, 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 it was terrible, but it blew my mind. I was like, What the fuck? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> What was bad about it? It was one it's of those just, reality, it's, it's just awful, dude. Reality show. Awful television. The, the girl, you know what I mean? And of course he was in it because he's the preacher. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the typical, uh, boy, they, if there's going to be a school dance, I'm just not sure I really want her going with a yeah. boy. Oh, no. <laughs> you know? that it's like that Leave it to Beaver reality TV. <laughs> fucking awful. I had my <laughs> I'd rather watch Ken Zalewski do Nikita Koloff impressions <laughs> at a restaurant in Hammond. Yeah, we got to get out here. You get more Nikita there than you do on The Preacher's Dog. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. <laughs> Give me a break. Cause I sure need one. Oh man, we're not going back to Nell Carter's ass, are we? <laughs> do you think? Do you, think oh. do you think they could have kept Mister Perfect's perfect streak going, and maybe had had maybe they could have avoided the Hogan Perfect feud, and then that way, once Ho once Warrior won the belt that he could feud with Perfect, who's still undefeated. They should have. When did he hurt his back? Was that part of Factor? And then that was after that. I was not, 91. Not, I, I don't think he ever hurt his back, to be honest. I, I think he had a back ache. <laughs> no, I think I think he did probably hurt it at some point, but it just wasn't as bad. That was yeah. a Minnesota thing. Everybody from Minnesota, like, cashed out Minnesota. on that. Uh, yeah, it was medically hurt, but it wasn't wrestler hurt. Right. right. Yeah. But no, I mean, the whole Hogan thing anyway, I felt like was a waste. I, Perfect should have had the title at some point in 89 or 90. I'm sorry. If he was going to feud with Hogan and Hogan was going to eventually beat him, Perfect needed to win the belt off of him first. Do you, you think Vince thought he was too small? Because he really wasn't that small. No, he wasn't. You know, I, I don't know. I don't. I think Vince just said, nope, Hogan's a champion. They had I, the perfect foil there, too, with the genius in his corner so they could 
drug sure. finish him somehow or whatever, you know. Vince, they had everything in place to lay all the traps that... You see, it was Flair. He just could not book a heel champ at that point. He didn't know how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know that, like, has Vince actually, like, looked at talent and actively said, ah, this guy's too small. I don't know that he ever, like... Yeah. Uh, maybe he did. I don't know. I mean, I don't He's hang out definitely got a preference. He definitely, definitely got a preference for bigger guys, but at the same time, I get why. Like, can you imagine if Superman looked like well, Go, nobody's going to buy that comic. You know yeah, what I mean? That's it. He's, he's a showbiz guy. To be fair, yeah. Dean Malenko is kind of Clark Kentish, man. That's a really bad comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hate using Dean Malenko multiple times because he's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got a Dean Malenko 8x10 hanging in the basement. I do, actually, downstairs. Swear to God. It's great. <laughs> It doesn't surprise me. I absolutely have one downstairs. I sing songs to it while I play NBA Jam. Oh, you know, I should do that. Yeah, I sing the NBA Jam song. I'm like, da 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 go. Yeah, where were we? Where were we? Sorry, I got sidetracked. Hennig was as big or bigger than Savage, right? Yeah, he wasn't little. Yeah. So you look, Savage was champ as a heel for what? Two months before he drops it to Hogan? Yeah. If that, Slaughter had the belt for three months before he dropped it to Hogan. He just didn't do heel champ. Right. But, but if, if you'd have let Perfect beat Hogan and have it for three months, it would have been fine. You, if you kept him undefeated and let him knock off Warrior at some point. Hell, he could have beat the Warrior at the Rumble instead of Slaughter, and then Hogan beats Perfect. In That way, Hogan gets in the undefeated streak. I will tell you, I love Mr. Perfect, and I love Kurt Hennig. I don't know that he would have made a good WWF world champion based on the way they were presenting wrestling at that time. Now, WCW world champion... 100% without a doubt, One, unquestionably. But I don't think that, I don't know, it's hard to say because I wouldn't object to him being WWF champion. I just don't. Mm, I think, think he would have been a great one. He had a gimmick. He had a, a fucking yeah. crazy gimmicked manager. He could do the promo. He could a good promo. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he did good. Vignettes. He, good. I mean, he could do anything. He was just got that smug look on his face. He was perfect. Yeah, he was intended. perfect. Right? But you look at knowing now that he could do the perfect plex to fucking Paul White. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Do you think about wow. how crazy it would have been to see him do that to Hogan? Because who did anything like that to Hogan back then? Right. I mean, you see him hit Hogan with the fisherman suplex and get the one, two, three. They'd have been stunned. I think the other thing, too, is that at that point, probably like 89, 90 is probably when... And this is just speculation on my part. I think that's probably when, like, you we listen to Laps fan, right? And we listen to how, like, how they present Hogan as just being, like, paranoid all the time and worry about people trying to roll him up from behind. I think 89, 90 is kind of when that paranoia started to kick in because he saw guys like Ultimate Warrior coming up knowing they were going to be taking his spot. I think it and started I, in 1984, 1983. I don't think so. I don't think so. Totally. I don't, well, brother. Eh, maybe. Well, totally. dude, what? Because he's the top. When he let Schultz get fucking jobbed out of the company. Yep. He was a dickhead from Jump, and he, and he snitched on him about the union and all that stuff. He's always been a... I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that union spot. story. I need to get to the bottom of that union story. I don't know if that's even uh, true. I think it's established, and I think, you know... And I'm not a Hogan lover. I need to make that clear. I'm not a Hogan I'm not a Hogan hater, but it's, it is what it is. I think he's always been a paranoid... And I think you have to be if you're, like, on top. Well, especially when you've worked for, like, Vern and Vince, like, you know, two hardcore yeah. carnies. 
any anybody whatever. getting over is in trouble on, on Terry's watch. That's true, dude. Say, <laughs> anybody I, getting over is in trouble. I would say his paranoia probably really started during Savage's title run because the company yeah. did not fall apart yeah. without Hulk on top. And that's probably when he's like, fuck, I really have to protect my spot because this shows that it will work without me. Yeah, I feel like okay. he was fairly confident in his position up to WrestleMania 3 probably. You know, I'd almost go back sure. and say even up to WrestleMania 3 was pretty paranoid about the whole Piper thing. Although Piper's a lunatic who couldn't really work or couldn't, I mean, he's great working, but he couldn't really, he wouldn't jab out to anybody. So he wouldn't wouldn't go along with the plan. But I would think Hogan would be paranoid about yeah. that because Piper's getting huge. He was huge. You know, a dude, like he, I said, I think a guy like Piper probably just emboldened Hulk to be more of a dick. Yeah. He's like, this guy's pushing back. What the fuck? And he's and he was all over the place too. Like, on <laughs> what the do you mean you're not going to lay down sure. and take his bed? Yeah. So yeah. I think I think Hulk's been paranoid ever since Vern was like, you're not getting that T-shirt money and, and the and don't sell anything. Stuff. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Probably no. Right. I don't mean to be an asshole. It's just it is when you're. I know you're, be, yes. you're being you're being handsome and cuddly as always. So, <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. So, I think he got paranoid when he woke up and the honky tonk man shaved a heart in his chest hair back in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do to me, brother? That made me paranoid. <laughs> so speaking of WrestleMania three, all of us we were all fans at that time, obviously, right? You were Mike, Bill. Oh, you were. I, I know you not. were, Drew. I was Did, not. You were not. Oh, really? Okay. So I didn't start watching until '89. Okay. So I'll ask the two other people that did. Did you guys? have any doubt about Hogan going over Andre or did you guys think that Andre might actually win the belt? No, I, I, even, I was like, well, I was, I thought Andre could win. I mean, that was re- that was his first match as a heel. Yeah. You'd only saw Andre beat the shit out of people and win up to that right. point. Nobody did. I mean, I know Andre did shit around in the territories, but I never saw that. Right. You know, I had lo- no, the general public never saw that. Right. Like there was you know, nobody, nobody saw fucking Harley race body slam him and fucking right. buck snort fucking Idaho or wherever the fuck it was. <laughs> exactly right. I got to the point where I can kind of see. So, yeah, WrestleMania 3 was like, what the fuck's going to happen here, dude? Yeah. Were you, Bill, you were pretty positive that Olga was going to win? Yeah, it was at the point where, like, you know, I still insisted it was real. I don't care what my dad would tell me. And I was like, but I was getting to the point where, like, I kind of figured out that Hogan's not going to lose. And I could say that, figure out that Andre wasn't the Andre from back in the day. Yeah. He was pretty, but he was cool as fuck. I liked him to see Andre. He was a lot of fun, but he just really was slow. So slow. And he was hurt, and you could see it yeah you know and so i wasn't really too surprised i mean it would have been cool if andre won so it wasn't like i was 100 percent certain but i was you know it was certain. back then it was hulk hogan shoved up your ass 24 7 right you know right. and we loved every minute of it <laughs> and then i was always you know team piper so i was kind of like more yeah, about too. the fact is he really gonna leave because i was dumb enough to fall for that like he'll never come back ever again and he oh, never was quite the same you know but he was fun sometimes but not like he was from like that three or four year run like holy shit so yeah that was kind of always like my obsession I was like damn it but I kind of knew the Hulkster was going to get it brother slam this 1200 pound giant big sticky giant what are you about to say Drew you raised your hand <laughs> what do you got big Mike I see you're chomping at the bit over there oh yeah you want to talk I, about Andre's singlet <laughs> I get Andre's historical importance and everything, but me as a kid, as a fan, I'm like, yeah, he's big, but he's old and broke down and slow. I, I didn't see it then. Yeah. It, you know, because I didn't start watching until 89, so you're yeah. talking, he couldn't do much of anything at that point. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot left in the tank at that point. No, so it took me a long time before I realized, okay, now I get it, because at the time, I didn't see it. And like, I watched Mania 3, I'm like, okay, yeah, Hogan body slammed him, that's impressive, but who thought this giant, slow, immobile guy was going to win the match? 
Right. Yeah, there was a marked decline in his mobility from WrestleMania 1 to 2 to 3. For sure. Just from that. And even like the year before WrestleMania, he was doing yeah. like three-on-one handicap matches and he was yeah. taking bumps and, you know, could get oh, up yeah. and down. And, and the sad thing is... It, it was just like, it happened fast. They had that surgery when he was... I think, geez, in the 80s, where they really could have taken out the tumor like they did for Paul White, and they could have right. stopped growing. But I understand he didn't want to do it. He was kind of scared of the whole thing. But yeah, he was yeah. like, let me do what I got to do. But it's real sad, and it's a shame, because I think a lot of it was he got bigger, like fat. And I don't know if it's necessarily because he ate a lot. Did he eat a lot because he was so big, or did he get big because he ate a lot? I think he got fatter from eating a lot. But a lot also, too. he was so big, he did eat a lot. I know that's not oh, insane. Yeah. And I'm a little, allegedly, on the devil's lettuce, but... No, I know um, what you're saying. I get what you're saying. He, he just got so big, he couldn't move either. You know what I mean? When he was younger, I mean, I've never seen when he was, like, super skinny, except for the little bit of video I saw, like, when he was doing stuff in France, he was doing drop kicks and shit, and it was amazing. Yeah, like, right. He was taller and skinnier. Like, he was actually kind of built but he was real like svelte and then as he got on but like i remember the stuff from like the late 70s and 80s it looks pretty good uh, can you dude, imagine van hansen match from all japan yeah, or that was uh, awesome. from new japan i mean stuff. Yep. and dude to watch andre work like that you're like holy shit dude yep. right so if you think about it so like let's say andre had had that surgery in i think it was like 81 or 82 or it doesn't matter whatever he had whenever he would have had it yeah he died in 93 he was 46 realistically had he had the surgery and everything went fine and it prolonged his life, whatever he could have ended up on nitro, you know what I mean? Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> he still would have been in bad like shape because by that point, like appearance WCW wasn't it? It wasn't nitro, yeah, it was Clash, Clash of the Champions, Champions 20. Yeah. Champions, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. the 20th anniversary or whatever it was. If he would have had surgery in like 81, it would have probably extended his career by at least five or six years, at least. Yeah, he, it would he would have lived Maybe. at least another decade, I mean, yeah. white one as long as he did, but he didn't take care of himself he either. I mean, even if that surgery happens, he's still not lifting weights. He's still not doing any he kind of fucking break. exercise. He's still drinking. He's just drinking and fucking traveling. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just and they wouldn't have been as hard on Given the old index that finger too. to the stewardesses. Yeah. It would have been different. Because they could he have, have felt been. better. I mean, yeah, did he drink a lot because he didn't feel good? Probably. I get it. You know? For sure. Yeah. You're killing the pain. That's what they yeah. did. Didn't but at the same yeah. time, painkillers back then, you just drank. Yep. He was probably worried about his gimmick, too. Like, if I get the surgery, will it... Well, I mean, I you can't possibly get any fucking bigger, can you? When you're that fucking big, <laughs> it's like, fuck, can you get any goddamn taller? Can your hands get any bigger? Can you fucking shit? God, had they, you know what? And this, it sounds so dumb, but in my head, it appears really cool. Let's say Andre has the surgery and he's fine. He's as fine as he could be under the circumstances of being a giant. And they have him legitimately come into WCW as Paul White Bob and says, this is my son. <laughs> I'm sorry. That would be freaking awesome. <laughs> That would be the worst promo of all time. <laughs> you know, tell you my world, world wrestling time. <laughs> I love you, dude. I want to challenge you to a match at the Halloween Havoc. <laughs> Big Bossman comes out and kills them both and makes burgers out of them. Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Your mother is dead to me. <laughs> she's, she's like putting your ear to a seashell. I'm just... 
Nice. Yeah, the vagina wasn't that big. I know it was Andre the Giant shows up on Nitro. I was Nitro. a big baby, but I'm sorry. Did you, hey, hey, Bill, did you see one of Piper's last interviews where he's like standing there with the Big Show? And I think Big Show may have just won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal or something. Yeah. And Piper is still like, he, he was not doing well. And he's still like living this whole storyline gimmick saying, I know Andre was really proud of you. And I'm like, dude, Andre was dead. What are you talking about? And Big Show's like, oh yeah, and, uh, sure, it was great, Andre. We were and then he tried to look under his kilt. I remember that. Oh, you mean my dad? <laughs> you mean my pops? <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Piper is my favorite wrestler of all time. But there were certain periods of time where I was you know like, what wow, this guy's on Neptune. What breaks my heart is his last like WWE Piper's pit had Ryback in it. Which, you know, it's, I take pleasure in the fact that we destroy him in the ratings. Suck it, Ryback. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it feel so good. Fuck that. It was Lana and Rusev too, but you know it was. Not we don't even have our own workout powder. <laughs> <laughs> do you count IcoPro or no? I do have a vision board, but I don't use it. Made from the antler of lactating deer. <laughs> so, uh, if Andre had lived and got to be around Paul White, all I want is to hear Andre say, "There's no way you came from my loins." <laughs> like, he just. <laughs> Can we hear Paul White say, Daddy, my hat blew off. Yeah. <laughs> We're making a movie. goddamn head was in it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, tell me that would have been great. <laughs> Maybe they could have had the yet I'm just imagining too. them two pulling up to the fucking arena in a car with the fucking roof just yeah. blown off it. <laughs> There's I two just, big ass heads sticking up in the wind. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. It's one in Dan Gonzalez. Cousin Rico. Yeah, I'd, long Cousin haired Rico. Andre was the best. When Andre had long hair, he was great. The LJN wasn't great with the long hair. I didn't care for the LJN either. The black strap one was all right. Yeah, that was awesome. The long hair Andre. No. Yeah. It didn't even look like a cartoon rock and wrestling Andre. You know no. who that the long hair Andre looks like? That <laughs> fucking, uh, that hillbilly dancing dude Zeb on TikTok. <laughs> the ankle bender dude. Yeah. Yes, it does. Holy he's shit. Long oh, he's long-haired Andre, dude. That's what I'm going to start calling that dude. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I always thought it was David Crosby without the mustache. And then now, now I think it'd be cool if Andre did that dance coming to the ring. <laughs> Andre the hillbilly. Oh, that's how he really broke his ankle. Killer Khan didn't do shit to him. He was fucking clogging <laughs> with Zeb. He was doing the grand right and left. <laughs> Or whatever the two-step boogie. The Batista boogie. The two-step boogie, maybe. Oh, they said the Batista boogie. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was such a thing. He's a star now, you know. Yeah, it's possible. He is. So we, uh, so we're probably looking at the end of Superstar Billy Graham shortly. I also heard we can edit this out if I'm wrong, but I heard Bob Backlund's not doing well either. You guys hear anything about that? No, but I, I heard, heard he might have dementia or something like that. I think. Oh, really? Some uh, cognitive stuff. Okay. I know physically, the guy's probably fucking healthy as a horse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a beast. He's really? probably out fucking milking a fucking horse right now or something. <laughs> He took it hard that you lost that autographed picture of him. I know that I found it like right in front of my face. It was great. You shouldn't have let him know that. I'm going to message him later. You should. Like, Mr. Backlund, I found your autograph. He's, like, he's probably in a field yelling at a donkey, asking it to name the fucking presidents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, ba Backlund was awesome. I like Bob Backlund. I don't care. Whatever. He was great. There's some great stuff with him in Morocco and him and Buddy Rose and him and Adrian Adonis. Yeah, is that match There's with him and Buddy? damn good matches with Bob Backlund. Because if they are, I'm going to watch them tonight. They're on the network. Yeah. They're, yeah. Oh, Backlund and Buddy Rose on the network? Really? 
Yeah, he was the WWF. WWF. What, just uh, go to the old school thing in the 80s section. Oh, gosh. And then basically watch all the house shows from 83. No, are you serious? Holy crap. Yeah, okay. he's yeah. all over that shit. Yeah, it's all a ruse, man. I just want you to watch fucking 12 fucking episodes of MSG from 1983. <laughs> and it's like the made up. <laughs> watch of fucking Bob Backlund take on Sika. I can watch Creep Show to see that match. Remember when uh, Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg, Stephen King is sitting in his living room? That's right. Watching wrestling yeah. as he's turning into a tumbleweed. Dirty barrel. There's also a Bob Backlund match on you TV in the you movie Can't it. Buy Me Love. That's right. That movie's great. When he's channel surfing and he finds the uh, the anteater dance or whatever the hell that shit is. He thought he was well, watching fucking, right. thought he was watching Dance Fever or something. That while he was trying to pull around on McDonald Miller, remember? Yeah. We should do a movie episode one time and talk about Can't Buy Me Love. <laughs> You ever seen Can't Buy Me Love? Have you seen that movie, Mike? No. The leading the leading gal in that is an absolute knockout. My God. She killed herself, I think. That's I know Patrick Dempsey, right? Yeah, right. it was McDreamy. Yeah. That's a man. Creep. What's wrong with you? Come on no, no, that's the male lead. That's all I can remember. I don't remember who the girl is. Oh, yeah. yeah I can't think yeah. of the chick's name, but she was, yeah, she was hot. But I think it was uh, Amanda. Amanda oh, Peter. Amanda. <laughs> Maybe. I don't, that was, I don't know. Amanda Peterson. That was her name. I thought it was Ronald Reagan. I like how Mike just names her and then he laughs at her name. Yeah, the dead girl. And it was Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Everybody from the 80s was named Reagan. It's like, why do we have this idiot on the show? <laughs> Somebody get him a 50-50. I don't even know. Chris, yeah. I got a quick Chris, hurry up. I got a quick question. Who played the lead in Camp I Be Love? Oh, I remember it was Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Agree to disagree. This is a tear down that wall. 50 50 tear down this wall, brother. 50 50 was awesome. I'm going to try to order some on Amazon or eBay. You know, I actually. I spent time looking one time because I saw that there was a grocery store chain in Wisconsin that was supposed to carry it. And I searched like 10 grocery stores that weren't that far from you. And every single one of them was out of stock. Out of stock, man. Probably, I wonder if it's roundies or pick and save. I don't remember. It's not that far from me, but man, I really would hate to go into another state to go buy a two liter bottle of 50-50. But I'm not totally against it either. <laughs> I can get you some 60-40. No, I can't drink that. 70-30? <laughs> it's too much 60, not enough fun. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's, fa- it's a grapefruit. I think it's like Sundrop or something, I think. 50-50 is it's yeah, it's like, Fago 60-40. I'm not drinking that. I don't like the insane cloud posse, so I can't drink Fago. It's got Dayquil in it. It won't oh, make you drowsy. Then, then that's fine. I'll drink it. Because <laughs> I need help falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're terrible at that. <laughs> That's actually oh, what happened when you didn't get on the call right away. That was, was, well, like, I was, okay. I was actually down, funny enough. I was downstairs um, hanging up some of my autograph pictures of pro wrestlers, and Bryson was helping me. He he saw the one I got from Mass Superstar. He's like, "Oh, can I have this one?" I'm like, "Sure." He's like, "This is my wrestler." I'm like, "All right, no problem." So he must have seen him do that swinging neckbreaker, and he thought, "That's the guy I want." Probably, yeah. That's probably thinks he's a Power Ranger. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, look. he's like, "Oh, look, it's Darth Vader." Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Why isn't he doing the Cobra Clutch? Who, uh, the Mass Superstar? No, Darth Vader. You'll have him watching. <laughs> He'll be watching Star Wars. Like, why isn't Mass Superstar choking that dude out with the Cobra Clutch? <laughs> Darth Vader's like slaughtering younglings, and Price is like, you know what? That was awesome, but I didn't see one swinging neckbreaker. We're <laughs> <laughs> just saying, watch the Mass Superstar hit the ring with a lightsaber. 
Oh my God. You know what? Scrappy McGowan's been chopped in half. Here's the thing. All these ridiculous thoughts that pop out of our heads with the way like AI and stuff is, we could probably like make this happen. Like we could probably make a video of <laughs> Darth Vader or actually Mass Superstar hitting the ring with a lightsaber and killing Scrappy McGowan. Splitting Scrappy McGowan in half vertically. It needs to happen. It, it needs to happen. Split him from his can... balls to his forehead with a lightsaber. Yeah. And then Gordon, Gordon's always not like, well, he just saw Mass Superstar. No question about it. He cut. It was a lightsaber suplex. Lightsaber suplex. <laughs> Five letters, two I'll words. Tell you. Lightsaber. <laughs> Mass Superstar would take on a Death Star and give it the first two rounds. <laughs> This is. <laughs> he is the greatest wrestler on Endor's green earth. Exactly. Oh, God's green Endor. <laughs> what the hell is the Ewok God's name? Who the fuck is the Ewok God? Ewok God Wicket. Wicket's green Endor. <laughs> We're going to be having a Moth Isley death match. <laughs> Han Solo versus Greedo. No question about it. That's the whole match. What is Obi Barnett Kenobi doing to <laughs> doing to Luke Rich? <laughs> Luke Skyrich. <laughs> Tommy Skyrich. Tommy Rich needs to put away that lightsaber. Tommy Rich Walker. Tommy Rich Walker. We got Gary Michael Compet out there. <laughs> that tunnel package. Han Solo! <laughs> well, that went off the rails. <laughs> yeah, but in the best way possible. Oh, and then, who the hell is Chewbacca then? Like Black Bart? He's like the hairiest dude they got. Maybe Dutch Mantel. <laughs> yeah. Bring it in Dutch Mantel. Bass. It's Dutch <laughs> Mantel. <laughs> Chewbacca was awesome. No psychology, though. I can't believe nobody ever did a Chewbacca gimmick. Oh, that would have been great. Chewbacca versus Andre or Chewbacca versus Big Cat or any lad. Either the Big Cat versus the Big Wookiee. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good tag team. You get like a yeah. like a, a dude like Chewbacca, a Wookiee, and then you team him up with like a, I don't know. <laughs> do like an odd couple team. Do like. Uh, yeah, like a like Chewbacca a dude dressed like a black Corpus metal George. musician or something. Right. Like one of those satanic corp, corpse painter dudes. Or a I salooner. Bet. Put him with a salooner. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you that. Uh, Chewbacca would be a shoe in for Wookiee a beer. Beer's <laughs> <laughs> running at WCW. <laughs> He's gonna give Bagwell a run for his money this yep. year. Oh man, that's great. Again next year and the year after and that. Year after. Oh man. All right, what else we got? Are we are we done? But when now? it comes to awards, he did it all for the Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> you got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man drew do you like star wars or no i can't remember i like it and stuff but i'm not like uh a devotee you know what i mean i can't like same i know the first three pretty well because i watched them a shitload when i was a kid but and i've yeah. seen all of them but not like usually i'm like sit the fuck down like talking to a kid or something i understand <laughs> So I've seen them, but I don't like, I can't recite them or anything like that. And I've never seen like the offshoot things and okay, comic books and all that stuff. Like, sure. Uh, By you, Big Billy. I'm kind of 
feel the same way, but I am nerdy enough to watch some of the offshoot stuff in the comic book. Yeah, I've seen Mandalorian two seasons of that. Oh, yeah. oh that's good. Yeah, you're solid. That's good. So I, you know, I can keep up with the nerds about it for the most part, but I don't. I'm not obsessed with it like I am like the comic booky stuff, like the Marvel stuff. I that's more my jam than the DC stuff. Like all that nerdy comic book stuff is more my jam. But I like Star Wars. Just that's fine. Wow, you big Mike. Oh, I've seen all the movies. I've seen all the shows on Disney Plus. Okay, right. I, that's good. I, like with the Marvel stuff, I, I've never read a comic book in my life, so I don't have any of that. Okay, I only have to block. I only have to block two of you then, so we're good. Yeah, like I, said, <laughs> I like them well enough, and I don't. Uh, hate on them in any regard i'm more of a sports and wrestling and food type of fat fuck i get it but i enjoy I science fiction and all that stuff like i like doctor who really well yeah shot on the channel of that stuff not me too fake that's why i watch wrestling <laughs> and like star trek i don't know star trek at all really yeah me neither i wish i did but i don't i used to watch it but i don't watch it i'm so far behind on any of it it's one of those things oh, yeah 80s bullshit is my wheelhouse. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. There's just what so much got, to watch. What else you got, Big Mike? Do I keep talking? Or you want to uh, go night-night now? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. I know I'm Drew's going to turn in soon. Yeah, I got to get to bed here, man. I got to wake up in a little yeah. bit. I think we did pretty good here. Yeah. Yes, you know? considering how you wasted at least a half hour of our time <laughs> not even being able to pick up the phone. It's not my fault. We recorded an hour and four minutes here. I think I can get at least... 17 minutes of usable audio out of all this. So we're going to do a segue here from Chris to our good friend, Aaron Grafton, who at one point and time were so close, as a matter of fact, a mere 1.8 miles. Yet I still managed to make it to Aaron's house from over 200 miles away. It's kind of weird how that works. You know, friendship's a two-way street. You find out who your friends are when it comes down to 1.8 miles. So here's a wonderful little random musing with your friend and mine, Aaron Grafton. All right, everybody, we are here again with another interesting segment on the other ship. This evening, uh, I am instead of our, our normal host, Chris Spiker, who is on the road again with family, including young JJ and the lovely Dr. Spiker, uh, visiting family and celebrating Dr. Spiker's first Mother's Day. So we want to say uh, Happy Mother's Day to Dr. Spiker and all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Tonight, uh, just hanging out. Got uh, Sweet William, of course, Big Bill Merriweather with us. What's up, Bill? Sup, sup. And uh, tonight, special guest in the house, your friend, my friend, and a friend of a few others, but not many more. Antisocial, like the rest of us. All around good guy. Aaron Grafton, what's happening, Salutations. Well, thank you. How are we tonight? Everybody good? <laughs> That's my talk show. That's my. I'm uh, good. These are the uh, things we have to do. I have slept all day. Did you finish your haircut before you took the nap? Oh, I did. I finished it. I just uh, I wanted to record it for posterity <laughs> and just see if the half do would work, but it did not. Yeah, it doesn't have the uh, the same you, feeling as when Snoop's is, getting his cornrows on the porch. When when your head is as big as mine is, you cannot afford to have creative hairdos. You just have to kind of. Yeah, I got the same thing, dude. I got the white dude fuzz hair. It happens as I get older. It's like uh, my hair's getting coarse, dude. It's like a wire brush. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Anyway, that's all getting wiped out. But uh, <laughs> so let's. Uh, hey, Mike's here. What's up? We're uh, 
we were just Howdy. having a discussion about uh, Ninja Gaiden defeating that game and how it was like fucking difficult as hell. And Aaron brought up a great point about how Nintendo and Super Nintendo players are like the best players because we didn't have memory cards and unlimited saves and unlimited lives. <laughs> Getting on the Sega people, huh? I don't know. I didn't even yeah, know well, Sega had. Not necessarily, but uh, I never really played Genesis a whole lot. I, I had to go somewhere. Some to of play those, it. On some of those games, you'd have the password when you die. You you die, and for some reason, you had this like seventeen million digit password that you would write down and put in the next time you turn it on, so you could start at the same point. I'm not doing that shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be a great game, but I'm not in the. I'm not an NSA code breaker. I'm not gonna sit down and write down stuff. And, but, <laughs> I'm just not doing it. So there were no continues. You had to be good at that game. You had to. You had to be on your p's and q's. You had to do pattern recognition and all that if you were going to beat it. And then when you beat it, it would just be like a screen saying "Congratulations, you suck" or whatever. Instead <laughs> of later on, when you had the saves and continues and, and could just go on and on and on and on and die and die and use the save, start up again. And there'd be when you beat the game, there'd be like a four-hour movie at the end of it, congratulating you and showing the aftermath of your good deeds instead of just a. Uh, a uh, little screen with the main character waving at you, saying, "Hey, fuck you, you won, whatever." But, um, but yeah, you you had to be on your p's and q's back then playing games. You could there wasn't no there wasn't no you know talking to your buddies at the same time you playing or whatever or filming yourself doing it. <laughs> Yeah, you had to be a really dexterous player to get through Atari's pitfall. It was all about uh, timing. Uh, they, right, there was right, and then <laughs> jumping and, on and the alligator the, heads the, or crocodiles, whatever they were. Nothing, right? Nothing else existed in the world except for you in that game, and it was life or death. The stakes were high. Yeah, I remember like well, just finish, those the marathons, weekend marathons with the Nintendo, because there was no memory card, and it was like your buddy would come over, and right. my mom said I could spend the night, and then like Saturday afternoon, you're still just go and I got, can I call my mom and see if I can stay again? <laughs> yes, call her now. Tell her to bring pizza rolls. We are this close to the end of Meteor Man or or, or Metroid Meteor Man, Metroid or Mega Man. Mm-hmm. Did they ever make a Meteor Man game? That'd be cool, man. Robert Townsend, <laughs> the Golden Lords. The five <laughs> Robert Townsend, games. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the Five Heartbeats game. <laughs> I, know, I, I know there was it's an a, RPG. I know that. Oh. I know there was a lethal. There was a lethal weapon game. There was a lethal weapon game where you like jumped on construction platforms and shot people. You know, just like the just like the movie. <laughs> Pull a guy like, off a toilet. First level, yeah. I think like the first level, you were running by Walmart to get some biscuits for the Murtaugh house or something. And for some reason, you had to shoot everybody in the in the Walmart to get the biscuits. And what, what happens at the end of Lethal Weapon when you defeat it? I wonder. Gary is it like is it like a, a close up of Danny Glover going, "I'm too old for this shit." It's <laughs> for Lethal Weapon Two. I think you get to call a cop sugar tits at the end of it. I think that's the that's the main prize. I wonder what other games they made, like movies made video the games. The There's a Dirty Harry Nintendo game I, that was bought. I mean, if in a RoboCop one, I remember that. If that was a movie that was. If there was a movie that had the faintest wisp of marketability, yeah. they would make a video game for it. There were like complete shit movies out there that had games. I mean, Karate Kid had a game. E.T. I had uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones. That's a good one, yeah. I hated that game. Spy Hunter, but it was a game before it was a movie. Yeah. Did they ever make a River Raid movie? That'd be cool. My favorite was uh, <laughs> my favorite Nintendo game for like a movie was like Sophie's Choice. Yeah, that's a good one. It's um, so deep. The Steel Magnolias video game. Fried Green Tomatoes. It's yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, a lot of lesbianism, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Dolly, uh, traveling of the sisterhood of pants or whatever that is. Dolly Parton's machine gun was amazing in that movie or that game. <laughs> Doing a quick search. Okay, we got Resident Evil, GoldenEye, good one. Mad oh, Max, man. Alien, Max Payne, the, all the Star Wars games. There's a Three Ninjas video game. Damn. They have the one with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> of course. Alien versus Predator, Batman, Back to the Future. They have a couple good games. Like, Aliens versus Predator 2 is a really what? good game. Look at this, dude. There's a Big Trouble in Little China video game. Oh, I didn't know that. What is this all about, dude? I got to look that up. It's like they're all going to be the same in one way or the other. You're you're walking around and you're shooting little bat little knee high bastards that come at you, and then <laughs> a... at the end of the level, you have to shoot you have to shoot an even bigger bastard. Okay, there's a ton of alien. Oh yeah, video all based off the movie too. Yeah. Oh, Alvin good. and the Chipmunks. I wonder, what do they do when I wonder the chipmunks? All kinds of Spider-Mans. But I think they were, yeah. Those were games before they were movies, weren't they? Yeah, Spider-Man, like one of them characters that has, you know, again, marketability. And, like the Atari had a Spider-Man game and it was the shits. But I remember it fondly because it's all Right. Game. An American Tale, Fievel Goes West, the video game from <laughs> Hudson Soft. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a bad movie name, Hudson Soft. I wonder... <laughs> He takes medicine for it now. It's okay. I bet, I bet Cutthroat Island have one. Around the World in 80 Days. Arthur and the Invisibles. My kids love that movie. I Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. There's a video game for that. 1986. That doesn't say the system, but it's from Global Software. Hmm. Back to the Future. Jeez, oh, a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> Bad Boys, Miami Takedown. Nice. Batman 1. You know... <laughs> Super hard game. You ever uh, seen Batman now, One, Aaron? The Batman, um, Batman One, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Uh, I hope they consider that the the nineteen eighty nine one. But the Batman games were all right. But I, it puzzles me that in forty years of video games, they have never come out with a decent Superman game. Yeah, they always they have some legendarily bad ones. Like that Nintendo sixty four one's one of the worst games ever yeah. made. Terrible. I don't know that I've ever played a Superman video game. There's I think there, there was, wasn't there like a, uh, a like a Street Fighter type game that had like the the comic book guys in it. There's a beat 'em up one, yeah. Yeah, we go on. yeah. And it's, some, some sort of fighting game. It's fine, but it's not like Superman deserves. You know what I mean? And right, like a true storyline game. There was an Atari one that was kind of fun. It was, you know, it was well, shitty because it was Atari. But yeah, they never really had a good Superman game ever. The Superman, Superman's hard because your standard thing is the energy bar and uh, all that stuff. But, yeah. you know, Superman's vulnerable, so that you're not going to get shot with That's a point and die. Like you got to find a good enemy. He just has to run out of uh, energy pellets. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get the super. Superman's energy bar needs to be the civilians he kills in collateral damage. That needs to be his energy bar. And if he kills so many of them. <laughs> Superman 4, collateral damage. <laughs> you done killed Aunt Thelma, son. It's over with. But I feel so strong. Quest for pieces. <laughs> Dude, they yeah. got, got Beetlejuice video game. <laughs> You're doing too much. Who else we got here? Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's got to be like a Castlevania kind of thing, I would think, huh? I believe. They make games for every movie that came out. Yeah, I'm noticing a trend that most of these are 2000 and newer. I'm trying. I'm kind of looking for the older stuff here. Cloak and Dagger, 1984. Remember. Atari. Wow. Cloak and Dagger. Y'all remember, they never worked harder to try and make a movie popular than they did with Dick Tracy. 
Dempsey. And like not Oh, Madonna and Warren Beatty. That was a turd. They were trying to do that Batman thing and it didn't work. They 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 put so much money behind that. And to the point where it, it almost made me like it because I'm saying, okay, well, I'm supposed to like this because McDonald's yeah. is telling me to like it. Every it's commercial everywhere. on TV is. Yeah, it says he came out in 1990, Dick Tracy, the video game. So you've been working on any tasty jams, man? What do you got in the cooker? I'm working on uh, staying alive right now. I'm trying to decide whether I want to go acoustic with it. Just a little time killer for me. That's cool. Nice. Harmonizing. You doing all three BGs? Or are we calling them the mm-hmm. AGs? Yep. The AGs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I played with other people today, actually, and I might play with them again and do something about it. But I don't know. I'm always tired, so it's kind of a. It was a lot of fun, but it was also like, man, do I really want to do this kind of commitment? But I guess I'm gonna give it a shot. How do you lug in your gear around? Yeah, they've got a bunch of stuff down there. I mean, again, that's the thing. Maybe big for a show or something because they got a big ass rig, and oh, I'm so sad and old. But it seems fun. And it's, I'm kind of feeling the urge, you know. Yeah. Get creative and go, man. Were you talking like regular yeah. practice and gigs and everything or what? Yeah, that's it. I mean, they, <laughs> I am. And I mean, maybe I said it probably <laughs> at least do once a week, you know, if not twice. Not counting gigs or whatever. But, you know, twice a week seems like a little bit much. It just seems, I don't know, you know, but I don't want to get in the way. And they also, you know, I like recording with you guys, too, because I kind of prefer that. I don't know, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to carry nothing around. Yeah. It's more, <laughs> you know, There's a lot of positives to hanging out with us, man. Exactly, you know, and then that's just the HIV sense. Sorry, Aaron, I didn't mean to put that out in the air. We can cut that, Mike. <laughs> but, um, that's no, okay. yeah, I, got I love you guys. I went over to Magic's house. So, <laughs> Dude, oh, man. Go so, ahead, Aaron, Bill, I got to tell you When you decided uh, to, to, to friend this guy on the internet that, like, you never met, but he made you laugh, and you made him laugh, and, like, this guy, you know, he's got the same sense of humor did you ever realize it would turn into a bunch of goofballs like being friends with each other all over and now i got a sticker on my wrestling thing because aaron i think you were my first wrestling friends like the groups right and i was yours maybe is that true i was i was you were you were mine yeah i don't think it was because uh yep it was you and the mighty travis heckle out of my shell there (laughs) so pat my cherry well i'm better i'm better no (laughs) (laughs) big time big time yeah that is interesting i wonder who the first person i actually became friends with and the groups were I just remember um, that with me there and then I even just know. kind of spiraled out of control from there and I honestly yeah I don't remember after that but you never forget your first do you strawberry lemonade no no Bush Chris was here so you can ridicule no that's true that's true well you know you ain't ever gonna get him on on uh to commit to anything and follow through with it. right it's like committing and following through what day are you getting into fan fest i'm getting there friday i got thursday and friday off so I, well i might i might i might get there on thursday i'm, I'm not sure um because i got i got thursday and friday off so i'll leave wednesday evening and then come on there i'm leaving on sunday because i don't believe in staying down there for a month at a time like some of y'all do are you driving or flying i don't even know yet i I think I'm not flying to Orlando and then rent a car because the driving back is just kind of not fun. Drive down there is interesting, but driving back is not real fun. All right. Um, well, you got to figure it out because the, uh, the show starts in a couple weeks, man. You might want to get a plane ticket booked. <laughs> <laughs> You know how oh, spirit does. T- uh, You're going to be know. standing there with your Pete in hand at the ticket booth. 
yeah. Yeah, that was that was a plus. They have Fan Fest, everybody, June 3rd. Check it out. Yeah, it's coming up. <coughs> I got my mega ticket, or my the best ticket you okay. can get, and I've already got that. I was telling these guys earlier, Mike, I was driving them back from my brothers with the kids, and a little song by the name of Jungle Love came on the radio, and I thought, man, I have not, haven't heard Steve Miller for a while, Steve Miller Band, and then I started thinking, I was like, man, this guy's got a lot of good songs, you know, decent songs, hits, or whatever you want to call them. I was like, he's kind of like under the radar. He does. He's, he's very underrated. And um, like he not only had good like 70s songs, but then he came back in the 80s with Abracadabra, which is really good. I just, I, yeah, I think he's 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 a legend, you know. I like Steve Miller. Uh, Actually, I just started thinking, I was like, well, then there, then there's, you know, the Joker, and then there's Jet Airliner, and I just seemed like, you know, Fly Like an Eagle. I was just like, man, there's, this dude's got some songs. And then and like just, in like, the 90s, said, but, like, very, uh, who do you work with? In the 90s, in the 90s, he, the 90s, he worked with Jeff Lynn and created the Miller Light Orchestra. Um <laughs> <laughs> that, that was impressive. Yeah, but they were they were less filling. <laughs> they taste you know, great though. <laughs> tasty lake. Do you know uh, what was interesting is this meltdown he hit at the Hall of Fame. Did you ever hear about that? Yeah, I actually just read something about that. Maybe like a couple months ago. He kept it real, man. He was gangster. Yeah, was like, uh, they wanted uh, to charge him for his seats. Like to, they're fucking putting him in the Hall of Fame, and they're like, you get one free ticket. Everybody else. Like your Compton, like your spouse. Yeah. He's like, well, what about my kids? It's like ten grand a ticket. I'm like, well, what the fuck? What about yeah. my band? Ten grand a ticket. Yeah, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, fuck all you guys. Uh, that's pretty. That's not good. No, that's not. No, you don't do Steve Miller like that. You don't, man. You die at the stake. The thing the Hall of Fame did that I really liked is they eventually put Sister Rosetta Tharp in, which was way overdue. Well, yeah. But um, other than that, like oh, it's like, I mean, it, her, her songwriting is impeccable. It's. It's really beyond reproach. She was the first one to use the guitar like that. And yeah. really, the first one. And she was doing like like rock and roll rhythms in the 30s before rock and roll was even thought of. So, yeah, she belongs. And I understand why the Hall of Fame, as much as I love them, would not put all 87 members of KISS in there. <laughs> <laughs> what if no Vinny Vincent, man? They could just leave all of them out. I'd be all right. Vinny- <laughs> I mean, they put all the P-Funk in. Aww. How many guys are in that band? God, it was, I think it was 22 went in total. I might be a little crazy and exaggerating, but it was quite a few. I mean, that's gotta be a... 22, 22 yeah, band those members. Those things you probably have to really think about when you're in a band, band dude, because like Leonard Skinner had to split that shit seven ways. Oh, yeah. Well, that was yeah. a big problem. They always ran out of money because he did not pay people. He knew how to do drugs and lead a band, but that's it. That's something that's, is that like all, all members, all original members are dead now of Leonard Skinner. That's depressing. Yeah. I mean, it gets this, yeah, because they're all yep. dead, right? I think Artemis is the only second tier guy left. Yeah, well, he's I guess him and Ricky Medlock, maybe. Yeah, Ricky yeah, Medlock. Was Ricky he, Medlock he, likes to claim that shit. That well, I played be fucking, original though. I played tambourine for him at the yeah, Hell House. There, okay, there was a <laughs> there was a, a record that they did in Muscle Shoals like before they got famous, and they did a song called Run Around, and uh, Ricky Medlock does the lead vocal on it, and it's really damn good. But other than that, yeah, I don't. Uh, and then Curtis Lowe was based on his dad, but. Yeah, he's got that uh, Jimmy Garvin Freebird thing. Yeah, Ricky Medlock is the Jimmy Garvin of Leonard Skinner. That <laughs> <laughs> was an undercover Skinner guy, man. Yeah, I, <laughs> but I was there doing I, all the cocaine, too. 
I saw him in like 99 like and he was he was on stage and strutting and shit and he was flinging his guitar around and my buddy Mike, he says he don't deserve to do all that. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw him yeah. on that same same time frame. Was it, uh, were they with Peter Frampton? That's who no, I saw this was, they Peter were, Frampton. They opened for ZZ Top when I went. Yeah, I did see them on that tour too. That was the last show they at Market Square for- Arena. Leonard Skinner with uh, ZZ Top and the opening band was the Screaming Cheetah Wheelies. So yeah, that was I a thing. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I just remember the names. It was so yeah. weird. They did a cover of, uh, oh shoot, I was in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. Dr. John? Yeah, yeah Dr. John. But not, it was. I'll say this scientists should have tried to harness the centrifugal energy created from Dr. John spinning in his fucking grave. They would have had enough to power half mm. the fucking Texas power grid. Because <laughs> it was. Too. I was in the right place, but Right. I was like, how did they mess that up? It'd be who I Ricky Medlock. Ricky Medlock has unusual hair. Yeah, it's like long, white, sort of. Yeah, it's he's like, got uh, Michael's hair. Who's that dude on uh, King of the Hill that mumbles all the time? Broomhauer? Yeah, he's kind of got like that guy's Broomhauer. hair, but like with a mullet and like that weird like country meth face yeah. structure. Like with, <laughs> like a big, hard, firm jaw, but he's got like sunken well, bottom to him at the same time. He plays in that Native American gimmick, right? With he's basically a god. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's the other band right. he was in, Blackfoot. I couldn't remember what yeah. band that was. I was getting yeah. confused with that band that did Green Grass and High Tides. What the what? Was that? Yeah, that was the Outlaws. Outlaws. Yeah, one of their guys played in Skinner what? for a long That's time. Probably Huey Thomason. That's probably why. Yeah, yeah Huey Thomason played Black, for Skinner uh, for a long time. Blackfoot, Blackfoot, and uh, and the Outlaws. They're they're bands that you're not going to recognize any of their songs on the radio, but they seem like they put on a really good show. <laughs> right. Well, they're all like I mean, kind of Skinnered clones, you know. Yeah. And when you've had when you're drinking keg beer or whatever, dude, Southern Rock is the perfect uh, ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> A freshly bounced keg out of the back of the truck. <laughs> ping, ping, ping. Oh, oh. See, I was, I was talking, thinking about the Steve Miller thing, and then I started thinking, like, where are some of these? Like, Super Tramp is kind of underrated too. You know, tons of good songs, and yeah. people just don't. You know, yeah. they hate each other. There's all that, you know, the big band fascination of like, oh, the Who, the Stones, you know, all the, the, the mammoth bands of that time frame or whatever, what have you. But there's so much other good stuff going on. You know, the one that should be in the same, mentioned in the same breath, and sometimes they are, but it's never quite to level all those other mammoth bands are the Kinks, because they really were like revolutionary for a lot of stuff and innovative, you know, but I guess they had more, you know, British hits than they did over here, but they had a couple, you know. Quite a few, really, but they just don't really seem to kind of have that sort of level that you get with like all the other super mega bands. Now, was Come Dancing was that the Kinks or was that just yeah. right? That was the Kinks. It's like they think their last kind of bigger hit because it was the '80s. They may have had like one or two, but that was the biggest one I think. Doing, yeah, as far as underrated bands go, you cannot get more underrated than Slade. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, huge. Slade had extremely. Extremely good songs, and they're one and, big uh, hit around. Extremely America. talented musicians. Not really what a lot of their stuff sounded like, you know. That Runaway song was kind of only really big hit because of MTV, right? Not necessarily representative of their whole sound, so. Yeah. No, oh, my oh but, my was a great song too. From yeah. that, uh, keep your hands off my yeah. power supply. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. They what had, was it? Uh, was it? Stuff. Was it uh, Bones? The show Bones, maybe. 
that uh, had an episode where there was a, a guy from England, and he was, uh, they did like a play on the Naughty Holder <laughs> name. He's like, yeah, I was the singer for this band. He's like, what? And it was basically they were giving homage to Slade, but using a slightly gimmick name. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Bones. Now, there's a legend, as far as legends go, that um, Naughty Holder was going to step in after Bon Scott died. He was going to come audition with him. And, really? uh, you know, things went as they, I believe they should have gone. Yeah, things went as I believe they should have gone, but I still would have loved to hear that audition tape. That's interesting, yeah. And everything and more, yeah. That would be really interesting to hear. I, I could see it. It's not really a big stretch in a way. But I, like you said, I think they took they made the right choice. But Where did they get Brian Johnson from? But uh, Slade, uh, he was in a band called Jordy. They have a, a neat song called She's a Teaser you ought to look up on YouTube. But he was in the band Jordy, and Bon Scott saw him one night, and he said he just couldn't believe how this guy could stand on stage and scream his ass off. He didn't He didn't say, I want this man to replace me. He didn't say anything like that, but he, he did say he liked him a lot. So when he died, they auditioned him, and the rest is history. What were you saying about Slade? I was saying that... Um, I don't know. I think I cut out there. Yeah, it's like you're on a delay or something. Well, it's uh, I know. It's that I mean, that internet uh, got down there. <laughs> and and I got a deal for you, <laughs> Mr. Grafton. <laughs> Fix them tubes. Why the hell do you know what band Bond or uh, Brian Johnson was in that quick? Damn. I'm an ACDC fan, and you just pick up knowledge on that. Did yeah, you shake uh, your little Yokozuna top knot in your hair when you were cutting it the other day? Or is there just a lump? I can't tell. No, it's just a lump. That's my alfalfa okay. sprig there. <laughs> <laughs> Yokozuna top knot. That's what it looks like because I, I can see it sticking up on the top of his head. I was like, man. <laughs> we ever do donut shop, we need to name one. I never, I never thought to shave my head that way, but maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and just for clarification purposes, here, Brandon knew the first person to, to become my friend out of all the wrestling people, all you motherfuckers were late to the game, and Bill was the last one of you three to become my friend. I say I was late to the game too. I became oh, became were, friends with a lot of you guys pretty quick after that. Actually, yeah, Brandon after, and I became friends in September of 2018. Spiker was next, and then Travis, and it took a few months before I think Drew. You were before Grafton. So there. Well, how do you I'll find that information? I just spent ten minutes looking up how to do it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All I got to say about that is that Jesus wasn't the first Jewish carpenter, but he was definitely the best one. <laughs> <laughs> My son's a good carpenter. <laughs> he ain't that good, lady. Yeah, would you call Doug, <laughs> would you call Doug Summers a carpenter? Was he good enough in the ring to be a carpenter? Who's that? Yeah, you call a good worker a carpenter. Was Doug Summers yeah. good enough in the ring to be a carpenter? I think so. Because we know Jesus was a carpenter, but was Jesus a carpenter? I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I mean, if you've ever seen that dude lay the uh, the knife into a fucking block of Parmesan, big wheel, <laughs> right out of the fucking cellar. <laughs> I mean, he gets the fucking piano wire out and fucking half that thing. Bang. Party on. Fishes and loaves. And, of course, Velveeta cheese in a can, goo to provolone Doug Summer, or provolone Buddy Rose on, on his side. <laughs> Charcuterie board, cheeses abound. Pasteurizations, book 12, verse 13. <laughs> Jesus Christ, son of Gouda, habanero jack be thy name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I'm man. For me. That crackers crumb on earth as they do in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
I forgot what, what we were talking about. For? Hercules. Okay. I thought it was Horatio. Uh, that's the first thing I could think of with an H. <laughs> Jesus Harley Race Christ. <laughs> I'm saving. <laughs> I'm the greatest <laughs> Jesus on God's green earth. I said he got hurt in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Lazarus, come out. Give me a cigarette, will you? <laughs> Take the damn loaves. <laughs> Bump me through the money changer's table. <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh, God, I can totally just see it, dude. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Harley's taking a bump. It's the Last Supper. Till tomorrow night. Indeed. Because Buddy Rose was not going to anything called the Last Supper. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to that. Like, fuck you. I'm having supper tomorrow <laughs> night, too. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but I'm not participating. Right. I'm not booked. Dennis Stamp ain't going either. Yeah, you know Judas Judas Iscariot had to be the Dennis Stamp of the disciple. <laughs> Like Jesus just, put him at the other. <laughs> Jesus he's just out the there other jumping other. on his fucking trampoline. Hey, uh, hey, Judas, can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> yeah, what's up, Jesus? <laughs> I want you to. Uh, I want you to be a waiter tomorrow at the Last Supper. Yeah. No, no, yeah, man, yeah. I'm not booked, dude. I'm not booked. <laughs> <laughs> that was all. Man, <laughs> <laughs> you're fucking dead. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah, talk to yeah. some Romans. <laughs> I'm still dying, dude. Harley's gonna take a bump through the money changer table. <laughs> uh, there's so many biblical comparisons to wrestling. <laughs> but anyway, hey, where'd Bill go? There, oh, oh, doing the screen shuffle. It's messing with me. Oh, can you hear me? When I'm turning my camera on, it's fucking up your camera. So I'm trying to figure on, on my end anyway. So I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Must be my internet I stuff. Probably. I don't see anything happening here. Yeah, it's just me, I think. But when I, Aaron looks surprisingly sexy as always. And you look pretty okay on the bottom, but Drew gets all tangled up and scrambled. It's weird. It's like I'm watching um, porn on a, a bootleg box as a kid or something. But it's just Drew. Which is even <laughs> yeah, I kind of look like a nipple. You got to look <laughs> close, though. If I squint, yeah. You like one of those pepperoni style give it <laughs> uh, they were gonna name me Ariola. <laughs> what the hell uh grafton was doing over there with his richard keel impression ripping something open with his teeth or what the fuck was that a bottle cap god damn yeah the bottle cap oh it was a diet coke yeah i thought you were cracking open a beer or something no the diablo sandwich and a dr pepper make it fast i'm in a hurry god damn it <laughs> daddy my hat blew off <laughs> Too bad your goddamn head wasn't in it. <laughs> there is no way you came from my loins. When I get home, I'm going to punch your mama in the mouth. <laughs> All right. Remind me when we get home. <laughs> Supposedly, Harley Race peed on his toilet seat. <laughs> Harley Race doesn't seem like the kind to aim. <laughs> Just kind of goes where it wants to go. <laughs> With piss or a pistol. Yeah. <laughs> Now, wait a minute. He does, he does aim if it's beer bottles at a road sign. Yeah, it's an art. <laughs> He's, that's where all his concentration for aiming shit goes. Seven point. <laughs> I had a question huh? for uh, Bill and Aaron here, both of you guys. When did you guys start playing instruments? Like, when you knew, like, this wasn't just something you were messing around with, and now, like, it's a, something you're actually pursuing. 
Well, like, I mean, I learned chords, like, um, I got a guitar like 20 years ago, and I would just learn chords, but then um, I really got serious with it in about 2017, and just kind of banged around every night to have something to do, because I was married at the time, which meant I did not get the TV ever, so I would just (laughs) take my guitar and play it and learn stuff and and, uh, entertain myself. Eventually... You know, ones of fans would would encourage me. I mean, who would have thought that 250 pounds of blue-eyed soul would captivate a country like he has? (laughs) (laughs) No. And all I can think of is when John Cena starts making the new Ernest movies. What do you mean you can't see me, Vern? You know what I you know what you seen, Vern? Oh fuck, dude. <laughs> John Cena's Ernest. <laughs> what was Ernest's full name? P Ernest P. Whirl. <laughs> Oral. You know, Oral. Ernest oh. T. Whirl, and what really made me what really made me sad is like him and Penny Marshall were alive at the same time, so they could have been Laverne and Ernest. And like every every time he was talking to Laverne, <laughs> eventually Penny Marshall could have come. Hi, Ernest. <laughs> Boy, that was that's a spot on Penny Marshall. Where's Carmine? <laughs> <laughs> Who was this hillbilly fuck in my kitchen trying to tell me how to drink mellow yellow? Yellow up. <laughs> I get it, man. Just, uh, I gotta get my like get my senses gathered here. What about you, Bill? <laughs> when did you figure out that music was something that you were good at and could ultimately do more? When I was a kid, I started playing like I got a guitar that was a shitty little guitar, and I tried playing left-handed because I do most everything left-handed. But I didn't really take to it per se. But I was real little; I must have been like four or five. Then I got a keyboard, and my great aunts of all people had the. A Casio CZ101, and Aaron, you might know what that is, but it's a real old school 70s. It's like the first digital synthesizer, and like Rush used it on like moving pictures, and Ween used it all the time on their old stuff. Like it's all over old Ween records. But she gave me this, like, I'll give you this if you learn how to use it. And I was like, all right. So I learned how to play some simple chords. So, like, you know, Mary had a little limb and all that stuff. But when I was growing up a little older, like all the guys I thought were pretty cool were playing bass, and I kind of liked the groovy stuff. I liked like iron music and stuff, and I started just kind of digging the bass and you know it's not something that necessarily jumps out at you until you learn how to listen for it all the time if that makes sense and so i really started digging the bass and i started playing cello as i think god it was been fourth grade and then as i got older i was like i'm gonna play bass but i didn't want to play double bass it's so damn huge so you know i wanted to play guitar anyway so i did the electric bass and um i know it's a lot of fun and some people say it's easy i don't know if it's easier than a guitar or not well, chords you can do chords but you know it sound sound good no it's different it's, it's a different skill set i think you gotta have to be you know you gotta have more rhythm and you got to you got to be like like bootsy said you always got to be right there on the one that's right and that's kind of like um, you know you got to have the feels man you gotta be able to play the feels and i've always been you know despite having a small penis and being super (laughs) white one thing i do have is kind of the sense of really i'm very clumsy and i'm tall and goofy but i do have a good sense of time like one two and yeah, I like playing bass and I like playing guitar too, and I really like playing the drums. But I can just do like I was beatboxing, like simple stuff. I can't really play; I can fake anything. But I always like playing the bass, and I've done everything from playing country to like crazy. Like, 
And that's no fun, kind of, when you're just like... I like, I like playing the drums, but I'm complete shit at it. Same. Um, you know. I mean, like the basic 4-4 four, four backbeat. Exactly. I it's not good because I, it's hard for me to stay in stay in one place. I want to go over here or I, I start listening to what the guitar player is doing, which is me. But um, I want to do what he's doing, and then it's just no good. There's just no no sense to it. Because I was messing around the drums today a little bit with them, and you want to follow them because they're, they're playing me their songs. They have some original songs and stuff, and so I'm listening. It's pretty simple beat, like hip hop style beats and stuff. And I'm playing, but it's like I'm listening, so I can't. You know, so when you're the drummer, you got to lead the show, but it's like you know, you want to listen. So I, I hear you 100. percent But are are either of your playing styles particularly influenced? by any other players oh yeah um people i love esteban esteban easily <laughs> but now Bill, I'll I video they, 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 they were playing acoustic bass but they're pretty fun oh yeah yeah they're fun what do you got there, Bill? Guess what signature model guitar this is? I found this. I saw it at a pawn shop, and it was like 150 bucks. All I see is the neck. It's a Squire, right? So, you know, I'm like, well, it's not a Fender, but it is. You know, it's a Squire. And it Billy Squire? Really nice. Signature yeah. series? The Stroke Me? It's called a Squire Venus. So, obviously, it's a chick guitar, but it's like full scale. Nice and big. Same size as like a Stratocaster. So, like, it's the nice. Bonnie Raitt? <laughs> nope. I looked it up. I Googled it after... And I was like, I gotta get this thing. It's so cheap and it plays so beautiful. It plays like a strat. It's and it's the strings. It's weird. The, the strings through the bridge like this. So it's really neat how it strings through the back. So that's kind of neat, though. But anyway, so I look it up and it's Courtney Love designed it. <laughs> so it's a Courtney Love. They, there's a 12 string and a six string electric. It came out for like two years. It was like some kind of Squire premium model thing. You better wash your Courtney fucking Love. hands. That thing's probably covered in fentanyl. Is there is there a 12 gauge version of what they used on Kurt? You're probably, you know. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> Boom. So, but it's a nice guitar, but it still makes me laugh that I have Courtney Love's guitar. I guess now they're kind of worth a couple bucks. They don't make them anymore. Shocker. Nice. But yeah, Squire Venus. So, yeah, that's my guitar I got a long time ago. It's, it's, it's a little fucked up. I got to do some stuff to it. But it's a Val Venus. That was my fault. It was a nice shape when I got it, but I ruined it. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah, the first time I ever messed with a guitar, I would hold it like I was left handed and I didn't even realize it because I would look like was watching MTV and I would hold my like the dude playing guitar, his hand was over here, so I would hold my right hand over there. Well, it, and then it's when I got a guitar, I didn't realize that I, I was like, well, wait a minute, it's backwards. It's interesting because I, I'm, I'm like right handed, so you would figure the hand you were strongest in would be the hand you'd make the chords with. But apparently it don't work like that. And I'm wondering if it could have worked like that if I had started like that from, from the beginning, but I never did. Okay, so we're going to transfer out of the yellow up, and we're going to roll right into the split pea green of your friend and ours, the Facebook falsetto, the baritone of the bathroom, Neely J. Neely J. Hey, how come I don't see it on my computer? How come you don't see what? Like, what's going on? It's not on my computer, but, like, I see it on my phone. Did you answer it on your phone? Yeah. Well, then that's why. Should I not? Ant- Shut up, okay, Scooby. Fine. It's totally fine to do it on your phone. That's fine. All right. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. Good, good. Did you get you some dinner in yet? No, I have dinner, but I didn't eat it yet. What'd you get? I got wings. Wings. Yep. Kind of wings. I got, um, buff. No, wait, what'd I get? Um, 
I forgot what they're called. So one of the wing places. I don't know which one. It's not Buffalo Wild Wings. It's the one that's like got it's green. Wing Wingstop. Wingstop. Yeah, I think Wingstop. 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 I've never had it before. That's the one that's owned by Rick Ross. Is that bad or good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not bad at all. When they had the big wing shortage in 2020, he was serving up thighs. Yeah, and I wanted to get out on that. And there's, I don't even know where the closest one to me would be. Uh, Lafayette on the west side. I know there's one in between the Walmart and the Meyer. I like chicken thighs. That's my favorite cut on the chicken. If I'm having fried chicken, I want chicken thighs. I'm, I like I'm drumsticks. Yeah, drumsticks are, are, are great too. Dark meat all the way. It's fried chicken. Yes, sir. It's good. So, what kind of restaurants you got around you, Neil? Anything? Uh, nah, it's all shit. It's all shit, huh? What what used to be good out there that's not there anymore? Well, Roy Rogers, but like it's up the road. It's like thirty minutes away. That's not bad, but like if I want Roy Rogers, I want it around the corner. And there's a bunch of independent stuff, and then some chains, but nothing really great. Essen Room. Right, Essen Room's not as good as it used to be. They're getting a oh, little. Really? Yeah, I mean it's like twenty dollars for a sandwich, but the sandwich is almost a pound of like corned beef or brisket or whatever. But right. they've been like it's been a little small lately, and I don't That's know. What yeah, and then like the we went there, we went there like a couple weeks ago for dinner, and like they fucking. Ooh, I, I, my curse. Yes, you can curse. That's fine. Okay. We do all the time. All right. They close at like six thirty. And oh really? Up, yeah, at dinner time. We showed up like at five thirty and they're like, um she's like, uh, you have to order quick because we're about to close. I'm like, Yeah, in an hour. And I'm it just sucked. And she smelled like cigarettes, not in like that. <laughs> and then my wife, my wife, right? She ordered Kogel. You know what Kogel is? Now. Yeah, it's a noodle dish, right? Yeah, yeah. She ordered kugel, and the shit was like skinny as shit. And she microwaved it, burned the crap out of it, and it was garbage. And it's like, I'm like, I'm not spending ten dollars for a kugel, and it's going to be crap. Right. Me off. Did they change ownership or anything? Nah, it's the same owner, but he trusts these idiots. That's the uh, problem. Yeah, that's that's an issue. Sorry. So, uh, did you get your Taco Bell last night? Nah, I didn't do it. I was like, I've had a a really bad week at work. I have a, this. I have a manager who's a total moron, and he just pissed me off. And it's like, this is like the. It, it's been a bad week, and I was like, I'm not going to Taco Bell last night. I don't even. You know what? I don't even know. You know, I didn't even eat dinner last night. Well, that's all right. Wife's out of town, and I haven't, I haven't, I like got so pissed off on Tuesday from the from my boss that he like he's just such a nut, and and I I call I said you know what I'm sick I'm taking a few hours, and then I took the next day off, and I was just like in the worst mood the whole week. It's been horrible. Well, it's the weekend now, so well, maybe thank, good, thank goodness. But right. she comes home. She comes home tomorrow, so 
<laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's better to be pissed off than to be pissed on, so. I've only been pissed off. I've never been pissed on. Thank goodness. Right. People pay good money for that. <laughs> I went out with this one girl. This Big well, I didn't really go out with her. I didn't really go out with her, but like we were we were friends that and we would I don't know. Whenever she was drunk, she would always come to me. And I was like, all right, because she was hot as that, hot as shit. And um one time she told me she wanted to be pissed on, but it just never happened. I would have yeah. beat on her. I would have done a lot of <laughs> shit on her, but it never happened. Damn it. You could have took her to meet Lord Alfred and double penetrated her. I would have taken her to meet Lord Alfred. And uh, actually, Lord Alfred was already gone by that time. Oh. Yeah. Rest in peace. So what are you guys up to tonight? Just chilling, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know about you guys. I've seen a lot of things on TikTok here lately about it's like uh, food you ate as a kid based on where you grew up or like uh, discontinued snack food items. Like that's a it's a hot trend right now. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that because we, we all like to eat. Goddamn right. Listen, there was the there was this snack when I was a kid. I I think I'm older than you guys. I'm 56. And what? I I actually didn't think you were that old. I mean you I mean you certainly don't act like it, so good on you, sir. Well preserved, buddy. I act like a little kid. Anyway, there was this there was this food. You you guys eat bugles, right? You know bugles. Okay. There, the bugles used to come in a red box when I was a kid. It didn't come in a bag or any of that. And it was one flavor, the regular flavor. And right next to it, the same company had a green box and they were, and they had this snack called pizza spins. And they were like, like little, like, like wheels and they were crunchy and like, they tasted like pizza, spaghetti, whatever. And they were the best snacks ever. And I think, like, by the time I was, like, in fourth grade, they were gone. Like, they stopped. You've posted pictures of those before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can see it online. That was the best snack ever. And then, like, Fritos, when I was a kid, were better than they are now. But Everything was better when you were a kid, though, right? But right. everything was better back then. You guys, you guys have read the spirals, like the the, the Frito spirals. Yeah, I've seen them, like the the honey barbecue and yeah. the twist. Yeah, yeah. Yep. about about twenty years ago, right? I was DJing one night, okay, and at you know I DJed in clubs or whatever, and I got home. I was I was wasted, I'm laying in bed. I'm like on my back and I'm like chowing down on these on 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 these uh Fritos spirals, right? I woke up I woke up in the middle of the night and I threw up through my nose spirals. Oh, oh god. Yeah. You want to talk about torture? Oh my I've I've done that with spaghetti. Sabatino's food. I used to DJ oh, yeah. downtown. Great Sabatino's. Sabatino's is not that great. It's just okay. And I ate Sabatino's. 
Huh? They played it up. They played it up as great on WCW TV forever. Well, what do they it, know? They're, you know, they, uh, they, don't. they allowed their waitresses to get roofied, right? Yeah. Dude, the waitresses at Sabatino's were like a bunch of old, scary women. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sounds, and, sounds like the waitress at Glory Days last year. But there were a couple of little bodies <laughs> there. I didn't even look at the waitresses. I was all about the bathroom and singing. You know? Neely, what's your favorite <laughs> song to karaoke? I don't do karaoke. But if I did, it would be Pass You By Glory Day. And and if you want to hear Neely J sing that in person, you can find him in a couple weeks at CWF Legends Fan Fest in Scenic Lutes, Florida. Yeah, but I don't think I'm going though. I'm not probably not going this time. What? Can you not get, can you not get the time off work? I mean, I could get the time off work, but I don't know, man. My wife's like, mm. and Pateric, Pateric will be there. I mean, I'd love to see you guys, but I right. really wanted to. I really wanted to hang out with Patera. I can see that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, because he would be like the ultimate guy to get loaded with. <laughs> you know, Debbie Brown didn't beat my beat the shit out of me, but Tara might have. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> you know, and it might be like, interesting to see you try to jerk the pants off Kim Patera. I would never do that. But, <laughs> but, but Patera, I met Patera one time when uh, I picked up my sister from on, in the airport. She was like coming in from Detroit. This is like around, I guess it was around 87, 88, somewhere around that time. And I'm like, oh, we're at the terminal, you know, at BWI, Baltimore. And all these guys, all these wrestlers came out from like the plane from Michigan, from Detroit. And I'm like looking, I see Georgia Animal Steel. I see the Rougeau brothers. Um, it's just like the killer bees. It's all the WWF guys. And then Patera comes out. And this is like Patera with the dark hair. You know, he's a good guy. He was just got out of jail, whatever. And he's standing next to me. And I'm like, and I'm like, hi, Mr. Patera. And my mom's like looking at him. He just gives me like the dirtiest fucking look ever. He's just like, he's miserable. And my mom goes, you should be nice to him. He's a fan and he's been a fan for years. And then all of a sudden I hear, Burr! I turn around and George Animal Steel standing there. And he's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing those pants. Like I forgot. What do you call them? Sansabelle pants. And oh yeah, <laughs> the gray ones. These <laughs> are gray ones, and he just looks at me and winks. You know, he was like a nice guy, you know. And it was so funny. Patero was like such a dick, but the animal was cool. But I always wanted to hang out with Patero. I mean, I can imagine. I can understand why he was a dick. He, you know, he fucked up, did some bad shit, and had a shitty couple of years. But I still would want to hang with that guy. He's a dude. I think he would have either been amazing to be around or a nightmare. I'm not sure there would have been. A <laughs> I know, right? I know. It's like, you got to be real careful with a guy like that. But yeah, right. he probably would have been great as long as you keep giving him Coors Light. It's like yeah. the guys from Jackass. It'd be really fun to hang out with them for about 10 minutes. 
<laughs> Until they want to come after you, then it's like, all right, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, jackass. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what's going on with all you guys? Well, you talked about the pizza spins. Did you ever have the pizzerias, the chips from Keebler? They were in like the, well, Drew, what were they, like mid, mid-80s to yeah, early mid-80s? Yep. Pizzerias? Yeah. Did you ever have those? No, I didn't have that, but I had gonorrhea's. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they came out around the same time as the Oboises. I got diarrhea's right now. I had a little diarrhea's, too. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I don't, I don't know. Right. I'll share with everybody. I don't know if the pizzerias were really comparable to the pizza spins or not, but they were pretty good. I yeah, little, I, I remember I had, were, had, or I had those, uh, I don't know, were they Lay's or Ruffles or Ripples that were a couple years ago, they were like mozzarella and marinara potato chips, but they were pretty goddamn good. And if you ate like about 15 of them, you were great. And then one more and you'd be like, oh my God, I'm never eating these again. I'm going to throw up from them. Yeah. That's the thing with some of those limited time flavors. They start out really good. And then after just a little while, it's you've had enough. Remember when Lay's wanted you to make your own flavor? Like they had that on Facebook years ago. Make your own Lay's flavor and we'll see if we can do it. You guys remember that? Yeah, they didn't take my suggestion. Mine either. <laughs> Mine was the best, man. I'm like, uh, armpits and asshole. That would be the perfect flavor. Come on. You mean it was an egg salad? No. Ugh, that's disgusting <laughs> egg salad. <laughs> Why would anybody want egg salad chips? I don't know. Potato chips are good with an egg salad sandwich. I'll tell you that much. Or on an egg salad on an egg set I came home the other day well last week from work I walked in the house it's like 3.30 and I'm like what the hell is that what is it Scooby or Oliver shit all over the place and she's like no I just made egg salad and I'm like I was nauseous I wouldn't I I can't eat that stuff. I can't eat egg egg salad and I would never eat whitefish salad. You guys ever eat that? No. no. That's disgusting. That's a Jewish thing. I'm Jewish and 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 whitefish salad is a, is like the Jew, Jewish people love that. Is it like and, the filter fish? It's it's I don't that's disgusting. That's like a dement it's like a it's like a deformed matzo ball and it's so <laughs> gross and they eat that with uh what's that pink shit? Well you guys yeah, I don't know. It's um the horseradish. Oh, okay. Oh, it's disgusting. It smells it just makes me want to throw up. But uh I remember of late when I was like when I was in uh God, when I was in like going into tenth grade, my grandmother died. And when you're Jewish, you have like seven days. Seven means shiva is seven in Hebrew, and you like sit shiva for seven days after somebody dies. It means it's seven days of mourning. And I remember, um, like all the everybody would come over to the house, and it was like nonstop. It didn't end. And we're sitting shiva, and we had this. We had all these, like all this food was sent to us, and we had these trays of food. And I remember my aunt, 
And I go, what's that? And she goes, it's tuna. And I'm like, oh, I like tuna. I, I'll eat that. And she like puts it on my plate. I take one bite and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck is this shit? And it was whitefish salad. And I was like, oh, and I started gagging and I kind of like throw up a little bit. And I don't know what the hell we were talking about, but I would never eat that shit again. It was awful. Don't ever eat whitefish salad. Well, you guys might like it. You eat some sick shit, so you guys might like it. <laughs> I know. Where did it go from there? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how to segue out of the whitefish. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's, let, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Um. So, who's here tonight? Me. Who's yeah. me? Who? Drew. Drew. Big Bill. Drew McIntyre. What up? Drew Goldstein. How you doing, man? Hey. hey up, down, all around, buddy. I know what that's like. And we got Michael Herrick, my yep. main man. I'm here. Hey, where's Hartwick? Wick. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was remember in the beginning I was like confusing you two. Owen, Owen Burr, yeah. Kentucky Eric. or Owen Down, Kentucky Road. Oh, Owenton. Owenton. Owenton, yeah. It's right Owenton. off the highway. I'll never forget that place. Right off the highway. You, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. <laughs> who else? We got Spikeums. Yep. yep. How's Spikeums doing, right? You doing good? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. I'm I'm sitting here having a good time and how's the baby? Good. Uh, he's he's grown up way too quick. That 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 little baby's grown into a little man right before our very eyes. It's like you blink and you miss it. How about your son? I don't want to talk about your dad anymore. How's your son? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, played, all good. Well played. Um, Who else do we got? We got uh, Merriweather. What's up, brother? What do you say there, Stretch Armstrong? You doing good? Just hanging and banging, brother. Well, that's a damn good thing. Yep. Everything's good over here. I'm watching wrestling. I've been watching uh, YouTube. I, I'm looking at Big John Stud beating his shit out of Mac Rivera from like 83. <laughs> yep. Hey, guess who the referee is? Gilberto Roman. You guys remember him? Yeah, it depends on who we're, who we're talking about. If uh, Monsoon was talking about him, he was just Gil Roman. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. There you go. But this is actually before Monsoon was the announcer. So, like, yeah, that was uh, Joe McHugh would introduce him. Gilberto Roman. Was These matches are sanctioned and supervised by the State Athletic Commission. Was there heat between Gilberto Roman and Monsoon? Is that why? Uh, he yeah, he was the one that he would always make. This referee doesn't know his head from his ass. <laughs> he doesn't know a wristwatch from a wrist lock. And I'm Joe McHugh. There you go. <laughs> honk, honk. So you guys are all going to be at the next event down in Florida? I won't. Now, Drew won't be, but the rest of us are. Yeah, I want to go, but I, I mean, I kind of want to go. I mean, when I go, I want to go because I love hanging with you guys and, you know, it's fun. But I'm, 
Uh, yeah, well, I'm a little, you know, I'm not into, I, you know, I don't really give a shit about the wrestlers. I mean, nothing can top the one with the, uh, with, with demolition. That was like, oh. those guys were the best. I wish Jamie Ward would have been at that event. Yeah, me too. That was like, that was so perfect for him. Shout but, out to Jamie Ward. Yep. Yeah, the service. Jamie's the best. He's such a nice guy. Great guy. Great guy. Yep. And like, he just like, I don't know. He's like, I guess he's about a year older than me. And we grew up the same era, watching the same stuff. You know, it was a great time. And the funny thing about Jamie is Jamie is so quiet and reserved unless you talk about the Dallas Cowboys and then he gets all fired up. <laughs> He's got an encyclopedia of memes. I'll, this point. I'll never forget the night we went out to dinner. It was me, Mac, my wife, Barry and his lovely lady, and Jamie and his wife, Tara. Tara is a firecracker through and through, but it's sweet lady, but damn, is she a firecracker? She was hilarious. She had us laughing the entire night. And it's told you can totally see why it works because Jamie's so quiet and she is not. And it's hilarious. <laughs> so so shout out to Tara. Tara is incredible too. I'm so like thankful we got to spend time with her and I miss seeing Jamie. So I th- I think everybody almost called us. So yeah. So, so Spikeums, um, what kind of doctor is your wife? She's a proctologist. No. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> no, she is a family medicine doctor. Well, that's good because we need more doctors that do that because they're all turning concierge and that's bad. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, some people call her space, the space cowboy. Others call her the doctor, the yeah, doctor right. I love. <laughs> there you go. So she's. I mean, she's more she's more proud of being Mrs. Spiker and mommy, though, than she is a doctor. So, well, let me tell you, man, you hit the jackpot because she seems like, just from the pictures, she seems like a really sweet girl, and that's an awesome thing. Well, see, see, this is why you need to come to Fan Fest. You need to tell her in person, and she's her legend of you. She's coming down. Yeah, yeah, her and my son, the entire Spiker clan, will be there. If she Big Daddy's coming, Big Big Mac will be in attendance. Nice shit. I gotta get rid. Of, I gotta get rid of my Ravens hat. He'll beat the shit out of me. <laughs> I, I and that and, and see that's the thing. Mac Mac says you're great except for that. I know, right? Hey, listen. I just gotta fix myself another drink. Can you guys continue the conversation? It'll just give me two minutes. Certainly. All right, you guys keep talking. I'm going to make a drink, and I'll be back in two minutes. I promise. All right. This is, this is your Neely mission? Uh, you know, it's kind of it's too bad that Patera is not going to be there because Mac could have introduced himself as Big Mac. We could have seen if that would have given Patera like oh. <laughs> What's going on up there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Patera's got a boulder, though. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, I mean, 
that would have been perfect for Ryan Damon or Half Pint to be there and you know <laughs> use the heat. That's not a boulder. That's Half Pint. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing him out the window like uh, Chief Wiggum's kid. <laughs> Fucking Ralph Wiggum going through the window. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> half pint. I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hover hands um, Actually, actually, either that or Patera just sits there, and it's like the scene, you know, when you have like the flashbacks from like Vietnam. He just has the flashback of the Golden Arches when he's introducing his big bat. Yeah, right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're like, he, he, Mac comes up and introduces himself. Hey, I'm Big Mac. Like the sweat starts pouring down Patera's forehead. <laughs> Big Mac, who sent you? <laughs> Say he's from Wisconsin. I mean, a, you can really play a, it up. It's those fucking pricks from Wisconsin, isn't it? <laughs> fucking asshole still hanging out for me all these years later. That Milwaukee cocksucker sends you down here. Fucking Ow. lunars. Fucking Saito ribbing me from beyond the grave. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, so well, what, go so ahead, continue. So what exactly are you drinking, Neely? Alright. Alright. I got it. And don't put this on Facebook. I got a little gin. I got a little uh, ginger ale. I got some ice, I got a red cup, and I got a straw. So what you're saying is you're so, so what you're saying is what you're saying is you're the third street prophet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds all right. I, I didn't I get beer because I didn't I didn't drink beer tonight because that'll make me pee all night, you know? Right, right. And I don't need that. Unless a girl asks you to. Well, yeah. She has a couple bucks on For my 21st birthday, my boss at the time bought me a bottle of Tangeray. And I, I had my first I had my first apartment. And so I had two TVs set up in there in the living room so I could watch Raw and Nitro at the same time without having to flip back and forth. And I had a mini fridge right next to my recliner, right? So the closest thing I had to orange juice to drink gin and juice was Sunkist. And my mini fridge was stocked with Sunkist. I sat in my recliner and over three hours I drank that entire fifth of Tangeray with Sunkist. And then sometime around five o'clock in the morning I woke up and I either woke up because I was puking on the wall of my bedroom or I woke up and then puked on the wall of my bedroom. But that was the first and last time I drank gin. Were were either of you rolling down the street smoking Indo prior? (laughs) Maybe that would have helped. It definitely would have. Yeah, you'll you'll just be thinking about your money. There's actually a a baby one that I saw on Amazon the other day. It says, got my mind on my mommy and my mommy on my mind. Oh, that's great. So yeah, so JJ is getting that. I'll go great with hilarious. It's, it's a official other ship onesie. Yes, yes, which will be coming next week. Which you can find yours at our T Public store. It's available on T Public. Just look for 
the other ship podcast the other ship we have t-shirts mugs uh iphone covers stickers oh stickers all kinds of stuff hey i love power bounds ecw bruno that was the best no, Bill's got a pretty good uh, Bruno. Do you guys remember when Howard Baum did ECW Bruno? Yes. And I don't remember what the fuck he said, but when I went, I went to CAC that one year, and we were to Chinese restaurant, and we all went to we went to um, one of those stores. Uh, what do we? I don't even know what you call them, a dispensary. It was right next to the dumpy ass hotel they had the thing in. And Howard and I think it was Howard, Dale Spear, me, Jim, Valley, uh, Mark Beaudry, my my wife. Mark Beaudry is a great guy. Yeah. We're all sitting there. And fucking Howard starts imitating ECW Bruno. And loud, and it was the funniest fucking thing I've ever ha- ever heard. I don't remember what the hell he said, but he just wouldn't. Suck. He's like doing the S's with the SH's, you know how uh, Bruno would say, like, you know how he had the, how he would speak, and it was so right. right. He started it all, you know. Tommy Dreamer, fuck you, and it was so great. <laughs> the greatest thing. And uh, I'm not going to say anything else because I'll get in trouble because I don't want anybody else to know about, you know, you know, right, right. Yeah. Remember that little, remember that little hot, uh, that little hot girl at the, uh, at the hotel that was the, that was the, uh, what the hell is that? Whose door is that? I thought it was at your house. No. I just had Scooby next to me. There's no squeaky door with me. Good old Scoobert J. Yeah. Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, say hello to the audience. Scooby, say hi. Hi, hi, hi. Say hi. Roro Raggy. He won't say anything. He's shy. Poor little Scooby. So has, has CAC happened this year yet? I think it's in September. And I love okay. CAC. CEC is a lot of fun because you get to hang out with the people from the West Coast, like Vandal and I think the like Dan Farron. Yeah, Jason Rudy. And Dan and and Mary Lou and Fredo uh, Esparza. Who's that? Fredo Esparza. Yeah, I call him Alfredo. Fettuccine Alfredo. Jason Rudy and such. Yeah, the Rudy boys. And, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it really is. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of almost, it's very similar to what we do in Florida. It really is. And there's a lot of like big time guys there. And, you know, you see, what's his name? Roman Gomez walking around. And Roman, Roman's a good dude. Yeah. And it, and it's a lot of fun. It's it's really cool because you're in this hotel and like people show up that you never expect. Like I went like one time. I went one time and the, and COVID screwed it up for the next time because I had tickets and I couldn't wait to go. And like it's like out of the it's like I met so many people. 
Are you going this year? I don't know. I don't know. I liked it when it was in April. That was like a really perfect time. But like I met um, Bruiser Brody's widow, Barbara. She's really nice. And uh, Darla Staggs, who I don't know. She's just like a big fan from the old days of St. Louis. And she's cool. And uh, Mercy Darusha. Who is related? Yeah, yeah. Any relation and to Al Darusha? Yeah, it's like it's like um. I think she is a former daughter-in-law or something. Oh, okay. Something okay. like that. Something like that. I can't remember. She's so nice. And wait, she was at Fan Fest. Remember with Tony? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember Tony which one it was, but yeah. Yeah, she's like really nice. And Tony's like really nice. He's just he's just very quiet, but he's a real nice guy. And I met Kevin Sullivan. We were in the elevator together. We were on the same floor. Um, so many people. Um, Joel Deaton. Remember that? Remember Joel Deaton? Yep. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, I met I met him. He was real nice. Um, the only, you know what, the only person I met who was like, like, who was like, they acted like he was like this big star. And I just, I had no, I had no idea why. And that was that Anderson dude, Anthony Anderson. Wait, wait, you mean the dude from Andy Anderson? Andy Anderson. That's who it is. Ken Anderson. No, no, no. Mr. Kennedy. That's Ken Anderson, I think, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. No, no, I meant Anderson. Andy Anderson. He's like the the black. I think he did like Carolina, like uh, South Atlanta Pro, maybe. Oh, Oh, okay. Nothing major. Oh, I was gonna say hello to you. I meant you know who is really beautiful is 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 Piper's daughter, Teal Piper. Oh my. God, gorgeous! I was gonna say I love the Anthony Anderson in Barbershop. Yes, Yeah. Let me interrupt real quick, guys. Andy Anderson's ring name was Baby Gorilla Andy Anderson. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Wait is that what? a Zaha gimmick? What? I'm not fucking putting you on here. <laughs> what? So wait a minute. Did he wear? Did he wear glasses and a name tag saying he worked at the grocery store? <laughs> Andrew Kalozuk. I don't know. Does. One of those Polish donut names. <laughs> Better Does. known by the ring name, Baby Gorilla Andy Anderson is an American professional wrestler, promoter, actor, and author. And super yeah. manager. From oh, East Coast Professional gone. Wrestling, Southwest Wrestling Entertainment, and Ultimate Championship Wrestling. And co founder of the Tri State Wrestling Alliance. And you one hand a big apple, and a damn good-looking guy. I'll tell you who was. Who, you want to know who the craziest one I met was? What's his favorite Black Sabbath song? The craziest. Oh, Anthony Anderson's. Yeah, did Andy Anderson ever sit in the Batmobile? <laughs> Guess who was the craziest dude I met at CAC? You? Nah. Besides me. <laughs> 
And fair. Crazier. Cra no, craziest <laughs> dude ever. Loudest dude. Silliest dude. Now, louder and sillier than Vandal. It, I'll tell you. Roy Lucier. Oh, okay. 100% Rudo. Roy Lucier is the silliest. He's a really nice guy. Like, super cool. Super friendly. But the silliest dude I've ever met ever, and I fucking loved that guy as soon as I met him. He was just a nice guy, but so silly. Like, fun. Yeah, he looks like he's always having fun when he's out doing something wrestling-related. Dude, I, he ran in place like he was, like, having football practice, you know? <laughs> he lost and, a bunch of weight and stuff. Yeah, he's got, like, this big chest. But I was sitting. I was sitting next to him. I went. I, we sat at that one of the banquets, right? And he was sitting next to me. And my wife, he's to the right of me. My wife's to the left of me. And I'm not eating because I'm drinking. Go figure. And he's sitting there, and he's like eating and eating and eating. And his his mother in law is like salting his like his potatoes or whatever and he's telling her how much to put on and he's like he's just funny and i'm like you want this you want to eat this you want to eat this and he's just like that man he's like no 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 and i don't even see it because i'm so drunk and i'm like please eat it please eat it <laughs> and he was like the coolest fucking dude i loved him with his red jacket he had this red sports jacket he was a nice guy Awesome. So, and you know who was a really great guy that I met? Probably the person that I enjoyed meeting the most out of all like like the wrestling wrestling people was Scott Teal. Yeah, I've heard that. that. Heard yeah, that. didn't you met him? Didn't you meet him at, at uh at, in Fan Fest one time? No, he was supposed to be at the first one that I went to. And that was right when everything happened between him and Rocky Johnson. Right. And so okay, Scott, sure. Scott ended up not being there. Right. He was there the time before, but the right. time, be but, but before that I met him, him and his wife, I think her name's Angie or Angela. And dude, that dude ran the whole CAC thing. Like he set it up. He was like nonstop working. He got up there. He spoke like at, at the Bachwinkle thing and, and the banquet. And he was like, he was like in tears because he was, you know, the guy's like a, like he's a total super fan and all that stuff. And, right. and part of the whole deal. And then he's a big part of history and wrestling and he's, and, and he's, He's a historian, and it just—he was such a nice guy, such a nice guy. And you know, I don't know—you know—I believe him more than I would believe anybody else. What happened with him and and the rocks and the rock spot? You know, with Rocky Johnson and Brian Blair, I would definitely believe him. He just seems very credible to me, and he's just a really nice guy, great guy. And I bought some stuff from him, a couple books. I met George Shire. George Shire's fucking great, too. Oh, he's, he's amazing. amazing. <laughs> yep. He's a real nice guy. I don't think Oh, absolutely, him. man. I'm native Minnesotan. Yeah. I don't, Years in likes, business. I, don't, I don't think he likes me anymore, but I like it. 50 them. years he, of hating. He can't, <laughs> he can't breathe too good, though, I heard. He's a good guy. I met Rock Riddle. Rock Riddle. 
Now that guy streams, but he's here. He guys wrote all the the California wrestling books, right? Or is that Rock Rims? That's probably Rock Rim job. I get them but, confused. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. I get those two confused. See, the Rock Riddle. Rock cool. Riddle was a fan. Rock Riddle was like a fan. I don't know where. I think like Tennessee or whatever. And he was kind of small, and he became a manager, a fan club president. And then he became a manager, and then he did a little wrestling. Okay. And then he got into like whatever in Hollywood. And he's, I don't know, he's got to be in his. Yeah, 70s. he acts. He's, doesn't he do some acting now? Say that again. I think he acts, doesn't he now? Probably. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe like, but, I know he is in Hollywood though, but I'm pretty sure he's at, does like acting in some like low budget movies and stuff, like B movies. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a and he's like he's a nice guy. He's just, he's just kind of freaky and shit. Has he, he like, done a movie with the Hangman? He did a movie with uh, Nina Hartley, I think. Escape from Kankakee. <laughs> Escape <laughs> from my film. Everyone needs Escape from Kankakee, starring the Hangman Bruce Pobans. Get an eye patch <laughs> on both eyes. <laughs> I'd rather watch <laughs> Hangman Neil Gwey. <laughs> I think we all would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but CAC is definitely something to go to. If it ever get, I don't know. They're all dying. That's the problem. And then you get all these, there's so many like douchebags that think they're in, in the wrestling business. And they're like, you know, they're, you know, they're doing what they do. They're trying. They want to be, they want to be famous, but you know how it is. But I met what's his face, uh, the the AEW guy. Who's I don't even watch wrestling. I haven't watched in years. But um, I was sitting there. I was at the bar in the in the hotel at CAC, and Slaughter, Jerry Briscoe, and the one that passed away, who was the referee that everybody Tim Tim White. Tim White Tim White was really cool. Jerry Briscoe kind of like blew me off. He was wasted. Sergeant Slaughter was kind of cool. And then there was this guy st- sitting there, right? And I'm talking to him and I'm he's like, so you, you love wrestling? And I'm like, I love wrestling, but I don't love what's going on now. I think I think what goes on today is shit. This is the worst. I think I think the wrestlers or whatever they want to call it themselves now, it's awful. I hate it. And it's the worst. It's the worst shit ever. I hate it. I and then I said, I told Corny about this shit. Right. And guess who I found out it was like five minutes later. <laughs> who? Who's one of the biggest stars in AEW? Orange Cassidy. No. Bigger. Jungle Boy. Bigger. MJF. Well, he's not very big. <laughs> Bigger. CM Punk. All right. Bigger. No, what's the CM? It was somebody who was in WWE. Daniel, but not CM Jericho. No, I recognize him. John Moxley. Exactly. I'm talking to this fucking guy. I got no idea. And I'm saying everything is so shitty now. Eating after you said it. They start bleeding. Yeah, exactly. He said, said, I'll kill you. He didn't say anything. He went to the map with a broken fluorescent light tube over his pecker. 
<laughs> I'll tell you who was cool. I'll tell you who was real cool was um Harry Smith. Okay, it'd be cool to meet him. Yeah. He yeah. was a nice guy. He was real nice. Piper's wife was real nice. Teal Piper was nice. The son, what's his name? Uh, Cole, Cole, whatever. He yeah. was nice. Uh, Brian Blair, you know, for all his bullshit and everything. He know how to. He know how to act. I mean, you know, he puts a show on, but he was a nice guy. He acted nice. Politician. Exactly. Exactly. A Republican politician, but he was nice. You know. <laughs> Giant douche or turd sandwich. <laughs> Wait, Lawler was a nice guy. I'll tell you what really freaked me out when I was at that CAC was when. Um, I saw David Schultz walking around, right? And he looked like a fucking mean motherfucker. And like this was like down at I don't I don't know if you guys have ever been to that hotel they used to have it at. But they had like a bowling alley in the basement, and like I saw him walking around with his wife, and he just looked like a mean fucking prick. And then I saw him with uh when he was on stage and he did his little speech, okay. And we're all dressed up, you know, everybody's dressed up. I'm wearing my suit, the whole fucking thing. And this guy's just going off on everybody. He's like looking at Jerry Lawler, who's like fucking 15 feet away. And he goes, you didn't help me. I didn't have no money and you didn't do shit for me. You know, it was awful. And like Lawler's like got the Lawler's like, I can't believe this fucking guy's like fucking with me at this point, you know, here. And then, like, I went up to my room, changed my clothes, came back down in my normal attire with the shorts, the deal, you know, and I'm hanging out because it had been hours and I'm wearing a suit. And that fucker's still up there and he's putting everybody down. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. He was a miserable motherfucker. And he made me feel real uncomfortable, made my wife uncomfortable. A lot of people. I I, kind of want to. This sounds amazing. I think he's my favorite wrestler. Yeah, it sounds cool. <laughs> I, I think I love this. Yeah. Schultz and another was thing. Schultz was and great was... in the ring, you know. And Schultz's yeah. interviews were great, but when he got up there, and he's like, <laughs> he was just such a fucking dick. It's like you wouldn't want to wanted to be around him at that point. Oh my god! They kicked him that. out of the business. Of course, he's got it. Yeah, he's better. He's salty. He had reason. I have, yeah. some, I have some shit to say too. And guess who? Guess who kissed his ass? <laughs> guess who kissed his ass more than anybody? The day before they had like this AWA, um, you know, like in one of the like little rooms, they had like an AWA like thing where the, everybody spoke. And Shire, George Shire, was the host, and sitting there was like there was this that guy Al Burke who was like a jobber dude, but he like did all these movies and TV shows as an extra. And, uh, you know, kind of like Bruce, Mick Karch and whoever else. And fucking, I was sitting next to like Nick Bockwinkle's like two younger stepbrothers or brothers. And they were real nice guys. And, um, David Schultz, I don't, he was just like, I don't know. That guy's like fucking kind of fucked up. I wouldn't want to hang out with him. Did you walk up and tell him wrestling's fake? No, because he would have beat the shit out. You ain't up your feet. Boom. Now nah, I don't want to. 
he was a scary motherfucker. Out of all the wrestlers I've ever met in my life, he had to be like the scariest kind of like dude ever. Like he looked like he would kill somebody. You know? Well, you can, I should be. Huh? Spike and I were supposed to go to a show last year, was it? Spike and the air conditioning broke, so we didn't go, but we we're going to meet up there and stuff. And at this show, if you paid Dr. D like, what, 150 bucks or 200 bucks, he slaps you in the face and you take a picture in this. And I guess he legit slapped the shit out of everybody because Dags went to the show with his buddy, ended up going because I think the air conditioning broke, so nobody ended up going. But Dags went with his buddy, and I guess he was just watching him slap the shit out of people. And they're paying him good money to do it, too. I guess like four or five people were doing it. Yeah, I mean, I used um, what's that shit called? What's that Olive Garden uh, dressing? Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh, it, was, oh. it was a mess. When you're there, your family. It was a mess. Is that is that a breadstick or is Neely just happy to see me? No, nah, I'm always <laughs> happy to see all of you. I've always brought dipping sauce. So how's how's Bruce doing? Bruce Bruce Cohen's doing good, right? From all he's sports. getting better every day. Um, better. I'm so happy he's becoming more and more active in the group again. Yes. Yes. It's just good to see him yeah, online more, I'd, and hopefully that's a sign of good things. Just another genuine good dude. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I left that group. Um, I left it, but I always loved Bruce. I think Bruce is like the nicest, sweetest guy. What a good dude. And I always hope for good things for him and his significant other is a sweetie. And he would post the food and and they would say, This is mine. And then like it would it, or we got this and his would be like awful of meat and all this shit. And hers would be like this this thing that was like <laughs> this, this picture of health, you know? I got vegetarian something. Exactly. What both of them? I love them both. They're so sweet. Yeah. Shout out to Bruce and Cindy. Bruce, hope you're getting better every day, brother. We all love you. We're pulling for you. Hell yes. Yeah. Cindy, yeah, yeah. you're amazing for helping Bruce through all of this. You guys are just great, and we wish you all nothing but the best. Absolutely, absolutely. From everybody here and everybody listening, you know, lots of love. I'd love to get Bruce eventually on a show if he's up to it. Yeah, yeah. once he's once he's fully recovered and everything, for sure. You know, because that that would be fantastic. Dude is just a wealth of knowledge. I'll never forget the first time I really got to sit and talk to him and Neely J was at the first fan fest I was at was at Portillo's. Oh yeah, just having you sitting across from Bruce, Bruce came up, pulled up a chair, and another guy. You know, you sit there, you talk to him for like 10, 15 minutes. Feels like you've known him forever. Yeah, he's a real nice guy. A real nice guy. And a super foodie. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. I don't know how the fuck he could eat those eat a milkshake after eating all that shit. I <laughs> ate that stuff and I was like sickly stuffed and 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 I'm like, I can't eat anymore. And he's getting this chocolate cake milkshake, and I'm like, oh, I would have so one good, sip of that, I'd be sick. And that and and that leads to four AM Neely ordering two twenty pieces, two fries, and two cokes from DoorDash and come down. That's not what I got. That's not what I got. I remember a baconator. No, no, no. I got uh, what I get: two double cheeseburgers, plain, extra cheese, two large fries because Bobby Van Cavalier stole one, and whatever anybody else wanted. (laughs) 
But 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 wait, got, are they technically got nuggets playing... with honey too? Well, say 20, that again. You got a twenty-piece chicken McNugget with honey, also. I did. Who ate that? Did I eat you that? Yep. Oh my fucking god! I like that. I gotta say, from. dude, very underrated dipping sauce is honey from Mickey D's. I love plain honey. I it's think not as sweet as sweet honey is my favorite nugget sauce by far. I agree, hundred percent. I'm honey. all about the hot mustard. My second. Yeah, I love the hot mustard, but honey, it's a nice uh, change of pace, man. It's a good change up. It's the old Greg Maddox paint in the corner. Bang, dipping, strike. Dipping, dipping fries and honey is so fucking delicious. I love I, the whitefish sauce. You know what gets me? People that say McDonald's sucks. And I, my answer is, fuck you. McDonald's is goddamn delicious. Yeah, I mean, delicious. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you, yeah. you really can't. Here's some advice. Don't order the triple cheeseburger then. I never do. I always, I order two double cheeseburgers, extra, che- two double cheeseburgers, plain. Extra I get mine plain too. I ain't mad at you. Large fry. And if the shit ain't fucking filled, I'm like, squeeze it, squeeze the container this way, not that way, and fill that shit. You know? What do you mean plain? Oh. Onions, no pickle? Just no- cheese. I don't get, I, 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 I don't get any of that shit. I just get double cheese. It's weird, like, but I love the daily double with the lettuce, tomato, and onion, and mayo. Like, I love those toppings on a yeah. burger, but I just like ketchup, mustard, pickle, onion. It's just kind of. Eh. Do you just not have any ketchup or mustard on it either? No, I just get cheese on mine, meat huh. and cheese, bread. God damn, that's delicious. And I get it. I love Wendy's when it's good. Wendy's when it's good. Is not just good. It's great. Give me a triple cheeseburger. I want the top of the bread. Then I want cheese. Then I want burger. Then I want cheese. Then I want burger. Then I want cheese. Then I want burger. Then I want cheese. Then I want bread. That's how it's Neely, we have found common ground, sir. But they fuck it up every fucking time. I don't want two fucking beef patties (laughs) touching each other. It pisses me off. Consensual so burger. Let so, me so. let me give you my tips for ordering from Wendy's. You want okay. to use the app on your phone, download the Wendy's app. Yeah. Then when you're ordering your burger, you can go in and choose like the number of slices of cheese you want. Meaty meat slapping meat. And if you put like six pieces of cheese on it or something, they'll do it that way. They'll burger eat between everything. But here's the problem and where I live. Almost all the fucking Wendy's are closed. Oh, really? That's yeah, terrible. because, but see, like, Wendy's, Wendy's, it's French. What the fuck is that noise? I thought, I thought it was you. <laughs> no, yeah. hell no. Anyway, I love, I love Wendy's, but most of the Wendy's around here are closed. And it's like, there's this company called Davco or Daveco. I don't know what the fuck it is. But instead of like cleaning their stores because that would be the right thing to do or tearing them down and rebuilding them, they just close. They close. So like there's like there's very few Wendy's around. We have McDonald's. We have that shitty checkers or whatever you guys call Raleigh's and it rallies and it's shit. 
and we have Burger shit, Burger King, and it's awful. Roy Rogers, they're they're like I'm on the I'm on the edge of Roy Rogers. Like the closest Roy Rogers to me is about 15, 20 miles away. And we have nothing else. I mean, we have nothing else for fast. Do you live in Baltimore? I live in Baltimore County. I don't live in Baltimore City. Because gotcha. if I lived in Baltimore City, if I lived in Baltimore City, I'd be a tough guy. And I'm no tough guy. <laughs> or I'd be dead. Right. You know. The wire. The wire's real. It is. Even the guy that played in the wire died. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He was good, too. Yeah. He was good, he was good in that. Yeah, he was good on that. He was good in uh, Bosch. Such if you haven't John seen Wick. Amazon Prime, it's great. Yeah, John Wick. Yeah. Yeah, and he got laid a lot. He was my hero. Well, Neely, is there anything else uh, you want to say before we wrap up here? We got a couple of little housekeeping things we got to do before we... We're done? We're done? Uh, it's only yeah. 11.03. I can't believe we're done. Well, Spiker's got to get on the road. They've got a Mother's Day trip to visit Christine's family. <laughs> Who has I, girls, I thought so. this shit was going to go on for a while. Sorry. <laughs> now I've got to finish editing so I can get the show ready to come out on Sunday. I'll come back. I'll come back on. Well, Love you, you too. Buddy. Well, thank you, buddy. All right. Well, listen, you guys have a, and have a great day. Have a great mother's day. And, uh, you know, you know, absolutely, man. Thanks for being here. Nearly. Yeah, next time, uh, next time, next time, and I hope it's soon. We'll talk about my introduction to wrestling, making phony phone calls, and being a douchebag. Okay, Perfect. sounds like a plan. We're gonna hold right. to it. All right, you guys have a great night. I love you guys. Right. Take care, buddy. Take care. Buddy. See ya. Peace. Bye. All right, everybody, that was another wonderful episode of The Other Ship. Hopefully we get you to get tuned in again next time as we take off and see where we wind up. So we want to thank again the Josephines for the gracious use of their music. We're going to send you out with a tune from them called Broadway. You can find them at thejosephines.net for merch, albums, tour dates, all kinds of stuff. All their socials are there also. So check them out at thejosephines.net. And you also can look for our friends Jamie Ward and Ray at WrestleCopia.com, running regional wrestling, and they're doing a wonderful show, and they also have Roman Gomez on with them, doing Mid-South, going through Georgia Championship Wrestling. They're doing some really great in-depth stuff. If you're a fan of history and accurate history, it's the show for you. Also want to say what's up to everybody going to be at the Fan Fest June 3rd. Say hello and thank you to Barry Rose for putting that on. Our buddy Ben James is doing some stuff down there, too, so you know, everybody show support to those guys and tune in next week.
trailer Nashville bust was written on the side he couldn't leave town without 